So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast uh, with your host as always, Alan. Uh, I'm joined as always by... Hey, it's Roddy. And Keith here. And how are you boys today? Oh yeah, pretty good, pretty good. No complaints here. Um, yeah, just off another day of work. Had a pretty, pretty interesting weekend. Had a lot of family time. Went to the uh, Help Musicians Pub Quiz on Friday night. Woo-hoo. We did not do so well, but we 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 drank some beers, and that was all. That, that was sounds a, that like was a successful thing. night. Yeah. But you did raise money for a good cause. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, we had a good wee team. So it was a nice nice wee change. But we're feeling feeling a bit uh, down after the rugby yesterday. So. <laughs> The massacre. I can't believe we're talking about <laughs> sport on this podcast. I have tried to put football in here. I don't know how many times. Keith's a rugby man, though. Apparently so. Keith's not. Keith Keith's is. Not. He's referred to it as a massacre, a disappointment, uh, shocking. Oh, no, no, no. I have no personal feelings in the whole thing. <laughs> how was your weekend, Keith? <laughs> not, not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, fairly... Fairly family filled. Um, that was uh, was was a lot going on in that uh, in that corner. But uh, we've got uh, a fair bit of news to cover, don't we? We do. Well, you know, we always like to kick in with a bit of you know personal stuff. See how everybody's doing first of all. But how are you, Alan? How's the story? I am wonderful. Yeah, yeah, store's good. Yeah, really busy Saturday, actually. Uh, I must admit, I biked it in. It was absolutely pouring with rain. I got halfway towards work and thought, screw my life, because uh, I was absolutely <laughs> drenched. I cannot tell you how drenched I was. I even turned a corner just before Smithfield, where there's a big car park, and just got hit in the face with what felt like 100 hailstones. So I thought to myself, given the horrible weather we have, the place was going to be dead. Um, but we had a really busy Saturday, like exceptionally busy. Uh, so yeah, no complaints awesome. from me. And then nice relaxing Sunday, but I was preparing most of Sunday for our upcoming book club, good, uh, which good. is something to keep an eye out for. We will be recording a book club on Roddy's pick, which is Mice by Arch Spiegelman. So uh, I think that'll be a very lively discussion. Looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is our this is our weekly review show that we like to put out. Um, we, we do, of course, like to go into maybe a little bit of news just before we jump into the the comic stuff itself. So, what have we got to talk There's about this week? There's a lot of big stuff happening this week. Yeah, bits and pieces all around the place. I mean, just you mentioned the store, Roddy. I mean, we were in our delivery last week. I sort of got like a little bit of uh, commendation, I suppose, for the store. A little bit of. A little bit of valuation for the store in a way. We got sent advanced preview copies of Robert Kirkman's next title, which is called Firepower. Ooh, uh, nice. Art by Chris Samney, who I'm a particular fan of from his, his Daredevil day specifically. But uh, yeah, these advanced ones, they tend to go to stores with with at least a little bit of stature. Uh, he did a similar thing before for Oblivion Song. We never got that advanced preview copy, but this one we did. So Well, that was two years ago, so... Yeah, That's yeah, we weren't. We certainly weren't long open yeah. at that point. Um, but now we, th- this arrived and was sort of a nice little bit of validation because um, it's not something you have the opportunity to order; it just gets sent to you. So good. That's awesome. I mean, that yeah. uh, that, uh, that it's an OGN, isn't it? Rather than it being the first six issues, it's a prelude to, so to yeah. number one, which is Kirk- due out. Kirkman loves playing with the comic industry a little bit. You know, surprise titles from nowhere. You know, finishing Walking Dead out of nowhere. So with this one, what he's doing is there's going to be an original graphic novel, which is a, a prelude. Then there's the free comic book day issue. And then it jumps into number one. So it looks a really interesting title, actually. Ah, so the free comic book day issue isn't number one? 
It's issue zero, ah, I believe. Okay. And then number one will come after that. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, I was so excited by this. Of course, I haven't read it yet, but <laughs> I did. Uh, I did have a big pull list this week, so it's understandable. Uh, what else we got? So we should say as well with the podcast, um, it will be spoiler filled. It only took me five minutes this time. Well done. Uh, but no, the podcast itself, I spent a lot of time last week getting it onto extra providers. Uh, we primarily distribute at the moment through SoundCloud, through Apple Podcasts. But one of the big ones I wanted to get it onto was Spotify. And it took a lot of time last week, but it looks really good on Spotify. i got to say, really clean organization on there. We've backtraced every single uh, episode. Uh, so you guys can now find it there, or if you're recommending it to anybody, you can tell them they can find it on Spotify also, which is cool. Yes. And uh, that's just uh, searching Coffee and Heroes Podcast. Coffee and Heroes Podcast, yeah, just nice and simple. Um, we may have a new logo coming soon, but that is very much coming soon. Under wraps as yet. Under wraps for now. Uh, what else we got going on? Well, after our, our discussion last week, uh, we did recommend the title quite highly. Oh um, yes, I believe you did pick that up this week. I picked Keith. up, uh, yeah, after Realm number one. Uh, oh, you got it. I did. You yes, got I got it and I devoured it. Uh, what? I mean, I know we talked about it last week in the review show. It, it somehow slipped through my net, but Jesus, that book was written for me. Eighties <laughs> oh. <laughs> arcade fun and uh, Dungeons and Dragons and myths and legends and. A wee bit of a wee bit of Tolkien and, and the Nine Realms, and the Nine Realms, and everything. Yeah. yeah, man, that was it was such a such a good book. So, if you haven't picked up your copy of After Realms Number One yet, and any of those things appeal to you, I would highly recommend it. Big time. It's going to be a quarterly book as well. So again, something a little different. It's oversized, I think. Uh, Michael Ivano yeah, Evans said it'll be between. Pages, I, think. I think it's bigger than that. I think. Is I think it? he said it was. Each issue was going to be between fifty-six and sixty-four pages. Oh wow! Um, so big book there. Um, I finished up Criminal, which was very, very good. Thank you, Alan. Pleasure. Oh, it's so good. It's just. I think it's one of the reasons, you know, these guys like recording here because I, I do have a big graphic novel collection at home. Even if I'm, he does say so himself. If I do say so <laughs> myself. It's not that size matters, of course. But, uh, yeah, we um, I'm always happy enough. We're always trading books with each other. Roddy lent me his run of Conan last week. Uh, for example, you know, I've borrowed stuff off Keith. He lent me Marvels in the first place, which was a great one to catch up on Secret Wars as well. So um, I've plenty here. What's cool about this is... You know, we all come from very different backgrounds with our comic reading, so we all have tons of stuff to recommend to each other. Uh, so I'm glad you enjoyed Criminal. Yeah. I knew you would. Brilliantly written. And uh, speaking of catching up, Roddy, you're going to have a, a bit of a chance to catch up. Uh, Robert Kirkman announced this week that with this week's oh, Oblivion right. song number 24, mm-hmm. uh, which will be the uh, the fourth trade. The fourth, the trade, fourth yeah. trade. They're taking a break until June, so... The uh, the trade for eighteen to twenty four or nineteen to twenty four is it mm-hmm. uh, will be will be out next month, and then from twenty five on you can go singles. Yeah. Why? But why am I getting called out? It's Alan <laughs> as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> Alan um, looks around him innocently. <laughs> what? What yeah, do you say? I'm looking. I think it's um, sometimes I I do think some sometimes like a wee flaw in the podcast is you know oh uh, i want to talk about this but i don't want to spoil it so yeah. i think i think sometimes oblivion song is definitely one that it's, we really should be talking about yeah, more and it's we definitely all, got the short shrift i it? love it yep 
but I'm I'm behind, unfortunately. I'm also behind on another one, which we may or may not talk about. But yeah, um, yeah, I'll catch up. I promise. I Sweet. promise. As long as somebody else does. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. Big um, news in the DC front as well. Yeah, well, sort of breaking news the other night. Dan DeDio, who is uh, pretty much you know head of DC Comics, uh, leaving his post. Co-publisher um, with Jim Lee, isn't that right? Yep, very much. Um, Jim Lee's still there. Uh, plenty of rumors circulating about it. I don't think anything official has come out at any point. Uh, there's been rumors of unrest behind the scenes. There's rumors of this whole fifth generation sort of relaunch, reboot, whatever you want to call it, not maybe proven too popular with some of the other creators. Um, it'll be interesting to see where DC goes from here. I mean, the deal was his big initiative was the new 52, which initially was a big success, brought a lot of new people to comics. But very quickly, people were wanting their classic characters back. They were wanting their original continuities back. You know, you maybe had readers who had been collecting this stuff and following this stuff for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, suddenly being told, oh, forget all that. This is the only one that matters. Now, the New 52, I mean, it was certainly, it was core in my collecting. You know, I started seriously collecting comics around New 52. I bought up all the number ones. I stuck around on at least 25 of the titles. Ever anyone who's listened to this podcast before knows my love for the Batman run that by Schneider Capullo, but other great runs in there, The Flash by Bucatello and Manipul, Wonder Woman was a great one, Bran Azzarello and Cliff Chang. There was tons of great stuff through the new 52, but ultimately it all came back to rebirth and we were in a weird way back to where we started. In the last few years there's been a few missteps, Doomsday Clock, we've discussed at length ad nauseum at this point, but you know, there's no way that should have been allowed to happen, how that was released, and things are all out of sync. So I can kind of understand that maybe someone's head had to roll on this, and Tadeo can be quite a controversial character in general. I think he, he also backed up some people with plenty of accusations thrown at them. Um, not a fan of uh, not a fan of Nightwing. He's not a fan of the younger characters in general. He always gave the Titans a short shrift. Wally West doesn't like doesn't like Nightwing. The whole idea being that uh, you know he doesn't like the comic characters' age. Mm, and they're a sign then of those those sidekicks yeah. going getting older are a sign of that. And what's interesting about that is this proposed five G or rumored five G thing is all aging the characters up. I'm you know so it, I don't know it's a bit muddled, but. Uh, I mean, I think Keith's happy about it to a degree because we might actually get Dick Grayson back. Well, I mean, we're on the way to that anyway. <laughs> uh, most most assuredly, that storyline is going that way anyway. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. But I think I think the whole Rick Grayson thing that was that was the deal, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, as I say, where DC go from here. I mean, personally, I say we'll, we've chatted and speculated in the store quite a bit. It's always one of the the strengths of the store. Uh, positing lots of what ifs. Now, if if I had to put you all on the spot and say pick one name to run DC, who would it be? My my thinking. Yeah. Uh, definitely Bendis. Bendis. I think their position in Bendis. Intriguing. Roddy. How can you argue with with Bendis? Yeah. Who are you going for? I personally say, and it'll never happen in a million years. Give it to Grant Morrison. Oh, the fun <laughs> DC would have. <laughs> <laughs> never in a million years happen but oh my god it would be so much fun personally I think it'll just be Jim Lee it'll, it'll yeah. take on more responsibility I think Jeff Johns is a good shout but he certainly has his hands full with the 
TV department. Uh, I could see Scott Schneider possibly, because um, it's weird in a way. I still think of Scott Schneider as quite a young writer at DC, but he's been there since 2010. You know, that's a decade. You know, maybe that's a chance to step up. Uh, Bendis, I could see. Uh, I really could. You know, he's he's already overseeing a lot of important titles through the Leviathan stuff, Action Comics, Superman, Young Justice. Um, so I could see Bendis happening. Would I want that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I read half of his DC stuff, but not the other half. But I don't know. But yeah, curious to see where it goes from here. But yeah, if you're listening DC, which of course you are, because this podcast is number one on your list, give to Grant Morrison. <laughs> that's, a, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> Tell me that would not be entertaining. <laughs> it might not make any sense, but it'd be entertaining. Um, there's some great stories surfacing uh, online regarding this. Uh, oh yeah. The uh, one of them is the is a comic gator, uh, Ethan Van Skyver, mm-hmm. uh, a guy whose books I just wouldn't be willing to buy anymore after that whole. And I believe one of the people that the deal consistently vouched for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, so he says that. Apparently, if uh, if five uh, G fails, AT and T are closing DC Comics altogether. Yeah, uh, and there's the, the same same site is also saying that uh, Marvel is in position to buy DC Comics now. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's well. I mean, you were showing us something in a Marvel comic book earlier, Keith, about a Marvel unveiling. Marvel you know, unveiled. maybe they're just gonna like pull up <laughs> Marvel that. made. They're just gonna pull up that red curtain. It's gonna be a DC, DC logo. logo. Uh-huh. Uh, right. Yeah, I mean, I I. Obviously, as a DC fan, I wouldn't want that to happen. But the main reason I wouldn't want that to happen is I think competition is the healthiest thing in the world. And I think that DC strive to be better than Marvel. Marvel strive to be better than DC. If it's all under one company, you lose that competitive edge. You know, And they're both very different companies with what they do. Mm. You know, They're both exceptionally good at what they do. But no, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't want to see that merger personally. Uh, no. It would be pretty unprecedented, though, if all of those characters fell under one roof. I mean, where would you even start? You know, Disney owning everything. Is well, we're one step closer to that mouse so. running the bloody world. <laughs> <laughs> the Miseverse. Oh God, yeah. Marvel, uh, or sorry, Disney Plus starts this month actually in the UK. Oh yeah. But I have zero interest personally. Mm. I mean, I've watched enough trailers of the Mandalorian at this point, so <laughs> heard yeah. it's good. I've heard, heard good, good stuff. Oh, I mean, WandaVision and... and uh, but all this stuff comes later stuff. in the year. Yeah, yeah. You know, if it was there at launch, Falcon Winter Soldier, for example, I'd be more tempted, mm. but oh, I yeah. think I'll hold off on the content there for a while. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah. some interesting times ahead. I'll be curious to see what San Diego Comic-Con's like this year. Um, I'll be curious to see if this whole fifth generation thing even goes ahead. They've positioned their free comic book day title around it. Uh, they've already listed one shots, but you know when. Oh, seriously? So his his sort of general idea for it has gone ahead. Well, I know that in the new previews book, which is due this week, they were going to show the first of five one shots, and each one shot was focusing on a different era of DC's history. So, for example, uh, they were all called like first generation, second generation, third generation. So, fourth generation is titled Rebirth third generation was titled the new 52 so i don't know if they'll still go ahead with that or or what'll happen but you know dc and their release scheduling isn't always you know well one point i mean i'm certainly <laughs> respected <laughs> pop culture news site bleeding cool mm-hmm. <laughs> says that uh 5g comics is still going ahead 
that uh, relaunched the DC Universe, which would have Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, Diana, and the rest edged out of the roles and replaced with new characters under old names, uh, is, is still going to go ahead while tales of the classic characters would play out in premium prestige titles. Mm. Leading cool, eh? Mm. Yeah, it doesn't sound very cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that's enough speculation. Yeah, we, we, we can safely say we know nothing about it. We know zero about it. We're only speculating at this point. But yeah, I'll be curious to see uh, over the next few weeks, few months, if any news starts to surface. So so yeah, how about we move away from that and move on to some comics. Uh, so yeah, yeah, this is the weekly review show as ever. So these are for the releases from the... 19th of February 19th of February just about pulled that out in time uh, so yeah 19th of February uh, was the week we are reviewing what is everybody's book count for this week Roddy I got seven um, keeping a rock and roll and indie got five indie books one Marvel one DC how about you Keith a uh, grand total of 23 for me oh uh, 23 <laughs> is a familiar sounding number yeah, how's that indeed, yeah. how's that divide as uh, a ratio, <laughs> mine mine divides nine Marvel, eight indie, six DC. Mine was a weird week because you know I I like to think that I have a very even split these days, and I do read a lot of Marvel. But this week, whatever way the releases fell, ten indie. How proud are you, Roddy? Not bad. <laughs> More than me. So <laughs> well done. More than yours all put together. <laughs> ten indie, ten DC, and three Marvel. Uh, and. Even with that uh, very lopsided ratio, there was a Marvel title that was one of the best for me. Not quite title of the week, but okay. it was definitely up there with the strongest. Uh, so, yeah, well, out of all of those, we uh, like to pick what our favorite titles of the week were. Roddy, why don't you kick us off with an indie title? Kick us off with a bang. Oh, see what you yeah. did there. Wow. Um, so, yeah, mine. Kenny Reeves couldn't have said it better. He. Yeah, I love the Keanu Reeves quote on the front of it. Um, a great fucked up blend of James Bond and Tintin, Keanu Reeves. Can I swear on the podcast? That's I, too just, late I just did. Just did. It's all right. We'll put in, we'll put in a, a comedy bleep. A spoiler and a swear warning. Sorry. I can safely say we won't. No. <laughs> Sorry, our editor has just informed us that we will not do that. Um, so this yeah. is bang number one this is from Dark Horse written by Matt Kent and illustrated by Wilfredo Torres Matt Kent who is currently writing Folklords mm-hmm. um, he of mind management and um, a lot of other great sort of mind bending depth indie slash title. department H yeah. was a great one um, Revolver too as well that's another one um, but yeah this one this one for me I think um, I think it really stood out in the previews, um, if I remember correctly, all those months ago. Um, it just sounded really right up my alley, sort of like a pulp James Bondy style, like a pastiche almost. So that that kind of piqued my interest. I love Matt Kent's art is, or sorry, uh, Wilfredo Torres' art, just absolutely stunning stuff. Really, a lot of clean lines. A lot of it feels very spy like it feels like a james bond film on the page and i love i love the design of the book um get into the story in a minute but the funny thing is with comics you obviously see the front cover but when you pull pull it out of the bag you get the back Mm -hmm. and this one a mad mind creating new worlds at will the 18 stigmata of philip verve by philip verve and it's sort of like a 
looks like a sort of 50s sci-fi no- novel not akin to like you know uh yeah, like a novella type stuff yeah um really mad sci-fi so philip Ferb obviously will play a strong role in the story and then on the interior there's a thing called sweet death s-u-i-t um a thomas cord novel so i love the i think um the introduction of prose stories is something keith and i really love on conan oh yeah so this will be right up your alley, Keith. But this this maybe obviously Conan's a separate thing. This plays into the story a lot more. Um so there's you sort of get your introduction to Thomas Cord and his uh his love, Fanny. Um it's very it's very tongue in cheek, you know what you're getting. Um at the start there's Thomas Cord is being um interrogated. And he's a typical, you know, he's kind of he kind of looks a bit Daniel Craigie, this this Thomas Cord version. He's a rough, tough son of a guy, and he's like these guy these guys who are beating him up for, are from an organization called Gold Maze, and the criminal organization that purportedly spans the globe is it not? And he's he's a real sort of he's a real he's up himself. He's he's confident, you know, he's that kind of spy, and. The goons threaten him, and he breaks out with ease. It's like a typical James Bondy thing. Beats up sort the of goons. That pre-credit sequence. Yeah, he just he destroys them, and then he gets to. Um, he's on a boat, and he opens up the case, and there's that there's that book, the Eighteen Stigmata of Philip Verve, and then he's got Fanny. He's also on the boat, and they sort of have that cheesy cheesy what would you say seductive conversation yeah. what am i going to do with yeah. you it's all very tongue-in-cheek and it's it's a pastiche on all those and it, i would say it's more of a roger Moore sort oh, of pastiche so. on the bond oh, yeah. um and then it's funny he's like oh you've been bad and holds a gun up to him and then thomas is like wait funny and then everything just thrown out the window <laughs> blows this guy's head off it's with a bang awesome and then calls him a pig yeah. and throws him overboard. <laughs> and then starts reading the book covered in blood. <laughs> I just I thought that was Great mesmerizing. Intro. Yeah. Really, really fun stuff. And then you're introduced to Thomas, Thomas Cord. Cord. Yeah. Welcome back, Thomas Cord. It's good to see you. Um and this this Thomas Cord is completely new. Um he's a different race and different age, but he soon finds out he has all the memories of the other Thomas Cords and that Thomas Cord is a persona. And there's a lot of crazy memories going on and he's trying to figure out like how long has he been fighting uh, Gold Maze and like what are the reasons why. Um, sort of the MI6 or MIX M- in M- this one? Is it MIX or, or MI10? MI uh, House so, of X or Powers of Ten? Which what are ooh, we? You decide. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, from here it seemed really simple at the start, and then it just it goes. It's really psychedelic on a mind bending run. Grant Morrison would be proud of this one. Um, really interesting. Um, this the new Thomas Cord is sort of told to that the philip verve novels are the key to gold maze and the key to like unlocking the the truth that he seeks um 
he's sort of questioned by uh he's drugged um by this woman who says i've been waiting for you and they're obviously trying to release release him and to make him aware that he is obviously all the previous thomas cords have not really known they were multiple versions so is this a kind of a you know the theory that uh, that the bond is just a code name and then it's a different person. Yeah, it's a code name attached to the 007 number, and that it's, it's a yeah. different it's a different operative playing being mm-hmm. bond. Assuming that code name, but with more mind bendingy twists. I uh, like maybe yeah. that, that their mind or their, their their memories are downloaded or something in this. Yeah. Or is that it? Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, like it, it goes on the the. He's drugged, and then the sort of cat starts talking to him, and then oh, the, cat, the him, cat starts talking to him. <laughs> Is this a better version of you? You ask yourself for the first time: Was it Verve's drugs that triggered you, or are you different than the rest? There's all these sort of great questions, and then what really twig twig me in this book? There's like quite a lot of great action too. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. Really flows really well. Really great. Um, colors in the book as well um i just i love the art of it all the nayoung kim's colors were great and then uh nate picos of blambot also did the letters i got a shout out to them um but yeah continues on and he sort of he breaks breaks through this um breaks through the secret hideout where he's at and then he finds philip Irv. He's like, and you'd come, and then there's like this typewriter that's typewriting, um, and he's typing. This obviously typing out Thomas Cord stories. Um, really good stuff. Really, really interesting. And I thought, where's it going to go from here? So it's it's key that these pulp novels are obviously really, really important in the book. Um, one, says, of, one of which is clearly Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> What was that New Year's Evil? <laughs> New Year's Evil. It's got a picture of a shirtless guy with like a bag strapped over him carrying a machine gun. I just, I know Die Hard well. A John Shaw thriller. <laughs> but yeah, um, and towards the end, we see the actual cover of Thomas Cord's Sweet Death to be continued. Yeah, I loved this. I thought it was just like a really great first issue. Just announced itself so well. Um, I love the pulpy pastiche of it all, really great, and I love how it sort of turned Bond and that sort of thing on its head and used used familiar tropes, but really used them in sort of an inventive and new creative way. What yeah. you? Well, it was really cool as well, just when you're talking about how sometimes comics come along that are slightly more than just a traditional open the page, uh, you know, flip the cover and read through and you're done. You know, obviously you had the the book cover on the back you had the the prose part inside and then just after the main uh, issue is over there's an interview at the back with matt kent which is just you would probably look at it quickly and go oh, this is your standard fluff piece so where was your inspiration from what made you want to write this what are you inspired by but what it actually <laughs> is is um philip verve himself is actually interviewing <laughs> matt kent and it almost becomes like an interrogation i specifically like the bit where um Philip Verve says, who's this sci-fi author character in the comic? That's not an archetype I'm familiar with. And Ken says, Philip Verve is a recurring character that's been in every one of my books in one form or another. He was in Pistol Whip, Two Sisters, Super Spy, Three Story, Revolver, Grass Kings, Black Badge, Mind Management. Uh, he's a kind of boogeyman that's haunted my work my entire career. And Philip Verve says, 
you just listed all of your books are you just trying to promote your backlist so it's just a really it plays with the conventions of a comic book really well uh same as roddy this was this was high up my list this week just it's interesting when you get a book that at the start is so straightforward and by the end you've no idea what is going on uh <laughs> but it, it doesn't feel like a cheat or anything you you believe the answers will come mm-hmm. it's not just a mess around with you for the sake of it but yeah, in terms of like an opening six to eight pages that was one of the best of the week yeah. uh just because it turned it, it you know it had all these familiar story beats and story tropes you're like yeah it's entertaining but yeah i've read this story before turn the page oh that's new yeah so uh it's like it reminds me of um i never read the comic but did you ever play the game uh 13 yes yeah uh the cel-shaded first person shooter reminded me of that um a wee bit um definitely i had sort of like that european vibe because i believe that's sort of from my memory it's the bloke wakes up but he has amnesia doesn't he or something Mm -hmm. like that but he's he's the same sort of spy thriller and he's forced to do something he doesn't really want to do so i think it was a french graphic novel series something something i never read but the the game was really good for a bonus point can either of you tell me who voiced the main character in 13 Ooh, famous name of the 90s especially i knew this at a time oh wow (laughs) i do not i give up david duchovny what really yeah oh wow so there's your little bit of extra trivia for the day uh but yeah bang i believe it's going to be just four issues i think it's quite a short series dark horse seemed to excel in those although from what i understand the sales numbers in this are through the roof seriously based in no small part to kenny reeves giving it a seal of (laughs) approval but it's already been back to a third print uh which we haven't seen from dark horse books in a while so this i think this is a real coup for for dark horse Obviously, Matt Kent doing great work, as we stated before, over at Boom with Folklords, mm-hmm. which has went to second, third, fourth prints. And interestingly enough, it's a Dark Horse book, but it's not a burger book. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, just as a little segue, I've heard that name bandied about as well for taking over at DC. Karen Berger, who, of course, oh, wow. shepherded Vertigo Comics. So Interesting. So that would be an intriguing one. Uh, so, yeah, so that's Roddy's pick of the week. That was Bang Number One by Matt Kent and Wilfredo Torres. You going to read that one, Keith? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, bag it up. I'm taking it home. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Uh, so, yeah, so that was Bang Number One. How about yourself, Keith? What have you got for us this week? Moving from Dark Horse to Image. And this week, now this, geez, it was a, it was a tough week for picks, and I'm not even through my whole pool list yet. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, I had a had a real tough tough choice between a couple of image books actually. Um, but uh, what uh, I've come to is Middle West number fifteen. So this is the fifteenth issue of uh, Scotty Young and Jorge Corona's uh, beautiful sort of nearly uh, Wizard of Oz like um, epic. Nearly, isn't it? It's. I mean, it's. it's I, something fairy else. tale is always word yeah. that comes to my mind. But it definitely has that. It definitely has that. That Wizard of Oz sensibility. That you know, if 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 the Wizard of Oz, you know, the Wizard of Oz was a was a very much a, a, a tale that took place in Kansas during the Dust Bowl and all of that sort of stuff. Whereas this is in that same. You know, it seems like a like a version of that same area, but more modern day. But with mm-hmm. that twisty fantasy style weird slightly left to center stephen king dark tar sort of uh i don't know sensibility to it it's uh 
It's really fantastic. Um, uh, Jean-Francois Boulou on uh, Colours and uh, Nate Picos from Blambot. Oh, well, he is. He's getting about. He is getting about. <laughs> so we pick up this story, the 15th issue. Um, our hero, uh, the young boy Abel, who uh, he, he manifested uh, this, this ability uh, to like nearly turn into like a living storm or an elemental uh but it was triggered by anger uh it was a an ability that he had inherited from his father and his father we've learned has inherited from his grandfather it's all about the passing down of pain and anger and abuse um i guess scotty young is maybe uh exploring that that facet of 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 families and and childhood through that but uh of course this is a comic book so it's not just that uh, so uh, we've discovered a lot more about the world of Middle West since maybe the last time we talked about it but um, tell me Alan can you remember uh, the name of the uh, the, the sorceress the uh, the woman who who owned the fair because I cannot for the life of me remember her name nope gone nope but uh, anyway so uh, Abel has been captured by uh, by Raider Farms. Uh, Raider Farms, this place, this guy, this guy Raider. He, uh, he he's overall seen as a bad guy. Though in the last few issues, we've been seeing a different side of him. Yeah, um, I mean he he doesn't see himself as a villain. He sees himself as you know these kids would be on the street and starving. Yeah. Here, I give them a job, a purpose, food, those, shelter. Yeah, those yeah. outside, however, see him as a slave. Yeah, slave master, slave driver, you know, yeah. and they're uh, they're farming this. Uh, this product, these, these ethyl orbs, that's the, mm-hmm. the pink liquid that seems to power everything in Middle West, uh, including uh, Wrench, the robot, uh, who is, uh, who's with our team here. So Abel has uh, become a worker in, uh, on uh, Raider Farms against his will, and alongside Molly, who is the young girl that he met at, uh, at the fair uh, whenever he was on the run from his father, uh, alongside Fox, um, his uh, like familiar-type character, but uh, the the people of the fairground, uh, led by lady whose name I cannot remember, and her brother, uh, whose name is Jebediah. Uh, you know what the problem is? I'm There's getting a lot of these names mixed up with farmhand names. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's the issue. So they have uh, they have Maggie. Maggie, there we are. Maggie, thank you. Uh, so they are they are Maggie and uh, and Jebediah, our brother and sister. Uh, an old wizard and, and, and an old an old sorcerer an old sorceress, but their their magic seems to be I don't know I don't know very much linked to the world or linked to technology or I don't know it's it's kind of strange it's it's definitely as I say just not quite what you think it is they've been they've gotten together with the the, the people who are other who are fed up with what's going on at Reader Farms and they're they're trekking across Middle West towards the farms um, and they they come to. Uh, they come to, I believe it's called High Point, uh, in order to cross the river uh, to, to get to Reader Farms. And they find with all the weather, which I believe is being generated probably by Abel's father. I would think so, because uh, he's also he's sort of trying to track down his son. Yeah, and he's, you know. Um, so uh, they find that the, the bridge has in what is a fantastic double-page spread. Uh, what one of several in this <laughs> issue? <laughs> so I think that's what that's what pushed this up as my wow. as my choice. Uh, you know, we see that the the bridge is out and High Point is completely flooded. Um, I should say also the cover of this is absolutely fantastic as well. It's just it's mostly black. We're looking at the we're looking at the ocean that has consumed High Point here, and uh, the the single light source is 
uh, is Jebediah's staff, you know, that has the light bulb on top of it. Is that uh, a tribute to the old guard? That, uh, uh, that cover actually? I, I got yeah. something yeah. different from it. Okay. I, oh, well. I got yeah. that it's an inverted Secret Wars cover, you know, the one where Hulk's holding up the collapsing ground. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah, I yeah, got it's like yeah. an inverted yeah, one of those. Yeah, very much. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But but anyway, this double-page spread of High Point being totally flooded. Um, and uh, Which, if you think of how colourful and sort of dark that is, and you juxtapose that with a double-page spread later in the book, mm. which is absolutely oh, glorious, yeah, which yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll you'll um, get to. So anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, they 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 meet with Sheriff Barry in the town, and uh, they talk about how they're gonna how they're gonna get get across here, what they're gonna have to do. You know, uh, they could try and reach other bridges, but there's no guarantee that they wouldn't be flooded out either. They're not giving up. Um, some issues ago, Jebediah sent off one of his crows in search of uh, help, and uh, the crow returns now, uh, bringing bringing help with him in the form of uh, a lot of the animal kingdom. Uh, which is Animals, kind of, of course, talking this further, yeah, exemplifying yeah, the fairy exactly. tale aspect. Um, so yeah, so it's it's pretty cool. Um, anyway, they they decide they have to they have to make their convoy, which is trucks and and lorries and stuff. They have to make them at the rafts to get across. But in order to do that, in order to to get across these this raging river uh, and, and to combat the currents, they need the help of the river master, uh, a guy called McDoran. It's funny, all these characters' names are just they're just guys and girls' names, you know. <laughs> McDoran, that's, that could be the guy who lives next door, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, but uh, Mick has uh, Mick has had some sort of a I don't know if it was a physical seizure or or something a traumatic that, event a traumatic event that is, you know, he's. He's, he's sitting here the the doc says he's an empty his head his head's just an empty cage that there's nothing doing up there anymore that he's that he's a vegetable you know um but it's uh you know they 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 the, the sister and brother jebediah and, and maggie they use their magic to try and communicate with him uh you know and what results is another fantastic double page spread of what's going on inside inside mc uh mcdoran's head you know he's he's fishing in calm waters and and Maggie just she appears in there talking to him, you know, uh, you know, saying that he really doesn't like what uh, really doesn't like the right like what Nicholas Reader's done, and uh, you know, could you, you know, she asks him, could he chip in, and he goes, yep, absolutely, anything I can do, you know, that man, if you can call him that, is a real well, a real piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Never was okay with him using uh, using kids the way he does, but uh, not much someone like me can do about that. And she's like, well, I, I guess you can, you know, so. So she enlists his aid, but also promises him that, you know, she'll, should they succeed, she'll be able to come back and help him, you know, help take him out of his own mind, you know, and, and make sure he can have conversations again and, and all of that sort of stuff. So so that, that another double-page spread there. There's, there's another half-page spread here. Stunning. <laughs> it's it? such a stunning book. It's always know. been a beautiful-looking book, yeah. but this, this was this, this was, was a step level. up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So... And there's, I mean, there's, there's pages and pages, a couple of pages here with just no conversation whatsoever. As even like as, the, the colors in it, yeah, are so, so gorgeous, yeah, vibrant. Um, so, so yeah, it's great. So I think I'm, I'm really starting to feel like this is really coming together. Uh, so the, the, the most part of this story follows the convoy as they move towards Raider Farms, um, but uh, and and what we see there, and we see Maggie and and Jebediah working together now as brother and sister to lead these crew, and we see. You know, wrench the robot who was partners with Molly before she was taken. You know, pitching in and all these characters in the Middle West coming together for a reason. You know, so we're starting to see, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's 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 really good. But uh, then the rest of the story we see uh, as they successfully cross the river. Um, you know, they they're they're making friends as they go, and and then we see Reader Farms where uh, where Abel has now become a supervisor. Yeah, he's ascended. Yeah, he's ascended in the ranks, and he's he's using his rather than he's he's rather than getting angry about things, he's starting to use his intellect a wee bit more. He's starting to, I think maybe beat the the. Uh, the way he's been raised, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, in anger, and he's not turned into anger anymore um, after a revelation he had the last few issues. Uh, but he's also making a plan to try and, with the other supervisors, to try and and uh, get out and try and escape and, and overthrow Raider here. But uh, Raider, Nicholas Raider's always watching. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's some. But some he has become a real leader as well, able, like he's been able to unite a lot of the workers who otherwise would have been, you know, throwing stones at each other and ignoring each other and infighting all this kind of stuff like there's the traditional nasty kid and stuff like that that he's not got on his side and and he seems to be chilling out as well he's not you know at one stage one of the kids hits him upside the back of the head and he's like could you stop (laughs) (laughs) could i stop getting hit in the head please (laughs) whereas a couple issues ago he would have just started a fight yeah because there's this camaraderie building and it's it's a real nice meditation on the idea of nurture and the idea of people treating you with respect and they're not being that cycle of abuse that you were talking about. Yeah. That yeah. brings out the best in people, you know, that like treat me with respect. I'm not a bad person. Um, feels like it's coming towards some sort of a conclusion. The only conclusion. thing that worries me. Yeah. You know, but, uh, they, what I kind of hope, and, and again, this is just pure speculation, but I hope that when they reach Raiders farm, Abel and the crew have escaped, which will yeah. keep the story going because I adore this book and it does feel a little bit like so many pieces are coming together. Yeah, and that's certainly it. Certainly felt like it in this issue. Yeah, but uh, I mean, even if you're not following the story, the art in that book is fantastic. Another level, yeah. Yeah, really. Also really noticed good. with the lettering, the lettering's different. Say, they're always square boxes. Yeah, I don't know like yeah. what it represents, but I thought it's really cool, really um, different and unique. Some know? some parts of that are wrench, who's the robot character talking, mm-hmm. um, and those some of those square boxes represent him. But uh, and I see, yeah, you were saying some of the speech bubbles have slightly or square with slightly square. rounded edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, such a such a good book, such a good book. I could just see a look on Roddy's face there, and it was when you turned the page to that double page of the sort of white space, uh-huh. and there was like a little tiny shake of his head, like. Am I not reading this in single issues? <laughs> Trades, <laughs> damn it! Yeah, that that was beautiful. Yeah. That double page spread where where most of it was negative space, uh, you know, and then you had Maggie and uh, and McDoran, him with a fishing rod, you know, just standing on the edge of the river, the Cam, the Cam River. Uh, that was that's that's beautiful. That would be that would be one if you could get in print. You would. Yeah, very much so. Uh, nearly any page out of that, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that issue, yeah. to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, Scotty Young obviously has been known more f- throughout the years, just in the sort of baby Marvel covers and stuff like that. He's been branching out to writing a bit more in the last few years. With he did a run on Deadpool. He did a miniseries called Bully Wars. But this this is another level. This is easily his best work, if you ask me personally. Uh, yeah, Middle West is one that I look forward to every time. And I'm never sure whether to put it to the top of my pull list. Or put it at the bottom. Or put it at the bottom. This week it was at the bottom. It was the last thing I read. Yeah. And it was, yeah, pretty uh, exceptional. Nice. Whenever I realized that I wasn't quite going to get through my pull list for, for tonight, uh, it jumped up. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got, uh, I've got Bruno reading it, who is not a natural reader of comics, but she's, I think, sitting about eight or, eight or, uh, eight or so issues in now. Not so, a bad book to start yeah, off with. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, it's all downhill from here, Bruno. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when you start off with something of that quality. 
what have you got, Alan? Cool. So a uh, couple of indie books there. Um, as I said, there, I was very, very close to having a Marvel title at the top, uh, which I'll talk about in a little bit. The only reason I didn't pick it is because I've picked so many issues from the same run so many times. So I went with something a bit different, um, just to really... Uh, you know, appeal to Keith. Uh, it is a black label book, one of those silly sized black label books, <laughs> I should specify. Sigh. Uh, so for me, my pick of the week is Wonder Woman Dead Earth number two. Uh, this is both written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson, who's perhaps best known for the likes of Murder Falcon. Uh, Extremity was another one. This is going to be a four issue miniseries. The first issue was good. The first issue was uh, essentially Wonder Woman being woken up from this sort of long slumber. She was in this pod and she gets woken up. She's deep down in a cave. Some kids fall on top of the pod, wake her up. And she is woken up basically to sort of a post-apocalyptic Mad Max style world. But what is interesting about it is that no other heroes exist. Um, Batman's long dead. Superman's long dead. So it... It was a good idea straight away because this becomes very quickly a Wonder Woman book and it's not like you can just rely on the tropes of bringing other characters in. So uh, at the start of the second book, they're basically... Um, Diana is leading uh, all of the survivors just on a trek across the land. They're looking for better places to live. They're looking for food sources, that kind of thing. It's basically pure survival. But there's also a lot of flashbacks to Diana when she was training with... Uh, her um, master, who was called Nubia. And it's sort of showing how Diana learned how to be a leader, that kind of thing. But it also shows her compassion an awful lot. Like, there's a character in here uh, who tried to lead a revolt against her. And they've locked her up, and she's basically assumed his position. But she actually gives him a second chance. His name's uh, Thaden. And everyone's saying, like, I don't understand why, you know, you don't know what it was like when he was in charge. You know, he's cruel. Why would you give him a second chance? Um, uh, she basically says, like, look, I'm immortal. I've lived for centuries. And when a being has lived that long, they begin to see not in years, but in lifetimes. From my vantage point, I see the possibility for change, even if it takes decades. Thaden didn't start his life as a cruel person. Hopefully with some trust, he won't end his life as one. So it's got a really interesting point of view. Um, obviously, Dan has always been known for her compassion, for her ability to see the best in people and always want to protect mankind. There's a really cool part here where, you know, she actually ends up wearing Batman's utility belt. She discovered it on his corpse when she came up from the pod. Uh, so, of course, there had to be a little bit of Batman in there somewhere. He's you wouldn't sure have picked it otherwise? They just, they just couldn't have left the character out, like, you know what I mean? But, yeah, there's similar to what we're talking about there with Middle West, some beautiful, beautiful double-page spreads. Uh, there's this part where, you know, Dan is leading them across this sort of cold, wintry landscape. Um, having Thaden beside her, and uh, so yeah, there it, it continues more and more. But what it, what's great about it is it it starts off as this sort of adventure book. It rotates very quickly into a horror book. Uh, they start to come across these massive creatures out in the um, out in the desert. These horrible, horrible mutations, and this is where it gets its most comic booky. There's loads of sort of big lettering being used, you know, charge, boom, roar, all this kind of stuff. But at one point, Dana finds a jeep and drives it into this giant, um, giant creature. 
then jumps onto it, slices it in half, and it's just really kick-ass and epic and action-filled. It looks like pure action, too. There's not a lot of white bubbles going on. No, that's there. it. I mean, there's when you get to these middle pages here, it's pure art. It's apart from those aforementioned sort of comic booky signs. It's uh, it's it's just pure action, just really class to follow, and it feels big and epic, so it does as well, and it really. I know it's this eternal sort of question we have of, you know, does it need this bigger format? This is the kind of book that benefits from it because it's like big widescreen horror action. And it's not really what you expect to find in a Wonder Woman book, which is Mm kind of why I'm really enjoying it. But the story takes a bit of a dark turn because they end up finding Themyscira. And there's this, um, this is so brilliantly done in it. It's hard to accurately talk about it on a audio medium, but I can sort of show you guys. But... There's this sort of page where they land up at Themyscira and they shine a light on it. And you can see this giant statue of one of the goddesses. And everything's dark, but everything looks okay. But you turn the page and you realize it's a different perspective. And that statue is actually slanted and all of Themyscira is destroyed. So it's sort of like as they're approaching it, everything looks fine. As they get closer, it's been destroyed. And uh, oh, wow. what you eventually find out um, is that... This whole scorched earth, this whole um, Mad Max post-apocalyptic style uh, setting, it's all humans' fault. Um, they essentially bombed Themyscira. They they bombed they 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 essentially wow. couldn't they wouldn't share their weapons with them and their uh, all this kind of stuff. Um, what happened is humans bombed Themyscira, but what this led to was mutations of the goddesses, and then they become these horrible things that then take over the earth and just scavenge and fight well that's actually not a surprise at all why is that <laughs> well that we, I was, that we turned on each other you know <laughs> well i was saying this, this. To, to roddy before <laughs> we started recording we're, we're going to be doing a book club on mouse yeah. and i was saying i'm going to link mouse to wonder one dead earth <laughs> he just looked at me like a two heads with, but yeah it's all about the evil of humanity yeah you know um so that what diana actually finds is she finds her old uh, master nubia here and thinks you know she's sort of asking questions you know what happened and all this kind of stuff and then again it goes into this big horror element thing where her old mentor is completely mutated she's still she's still got thoughts and can still communicate and stuff but she's just basically a pure monster but it leaves the issue in a really interesting place where uh diana actually turns her back on humankind and says look what what can I do? I've I do nothing but protect you people. I do nothing but stand up for you and fight for you and bleed for you. And in the end, where did it get me? So she actually leaves the whole party sort of behind, and it's left on a really dark, somber note. Um, but yeah, just it, it's a book that I just it's not what I was. I don't know what I was expecting, but oh, that sounds fantastic. I've been thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. Um, and again, similar to what was said about Middle West. Even if you don't massively get in it for, for the story, the action in it and the art is incredible. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's an artist I'm really, really fond of. And he does and he draws Wonder Woman as really powerful and really capable and really, you know, just completely confident character in, in her abilities, but she's not glamorous. She's not like a supermodel like most Wonder Woman characters are drawn and, and all the rest. You know, she's a warrior first and foremost. I mean if you have a look at that cover, this is actually the variant. I mean, that's not far away from something like Conan, 
You know what I mean? It's yeah, more about yeah, being yeah, a warrior yeah. rather than I'm this good-looking, you know, perfect embodiment of, you know, femininity. Whenever you were, we were looking through it there, I was thinking the art was looking a wee bit rough, but whenever you put it like that, it makes yeah. perfect sense. It, it just... Just oh, suits sorry. the character. No, sorry. I was going to say, it looks, there was parts where I was like, that looks a wee bit a uh, little bird-esque. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not a bad shot, actually. So, yeah. Similar yeah. sort of... Someone sort of style. Some, someone I've dealt, I've heard of, but I've never really caught much of his stuff. But I, I think that's gonna. I think these black label trades are gonna be on Keith's shelf. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon? Keith, yeah. Keith is shaking his head right now. For Co- sorry, coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> They're too big to fit in the shelf, Roddy. So yeah, well, I mean, I'm. I'm the complete opposite of Keith in this scenario because every black label title I've been getting the trades and the singles, so they've certainly cornered their market with me. But it's also great to read a black label title that isn't Batman, Superman, or Harley Quinn, or the Joker. This is a great example of it. The questions, one we've chatted about as well before. It's great to see the expansion of black label just outside of those core characters. I know Wonder Woman is a core character, certainly of uh, the DC landscape, but utilized in this way, I think it's been wonderful. And it continues to show, I think, um, with the Black Label stuff, and I said this about Harleen as well, when you have the same writer and artist in full control, you get a pure a pure vision, I suppose. So Yeah, that's what, that's what I've been really enjoying about them. Just It's just been a massive opportunity for someone, someone like uh, Daniel Warren Johnson to step up and just knock it out of the park yep. and just do something really inventive. Like, they almost... I know Keith will hit me, but they almost look like indie books. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he's a noted indie artist, you know, but yeah. he's getting to do something that's a twist on, like, these uh, superheroes. So, Well, that's it. I mean, Black Label very much led with Schneider and Capullo, Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. But now some of the best work is coming from Stefan Sajic yeah. and Daniel Warren Johnson. These are not household names, but I think they will be in the long term. So, uh, yeah, that was me. That was my choice, which was Wonder Woman Dead Earth number two. Uh, We'll just take a very quick break and then we'll come back with some honorable mentions. So we're back now uh, for our review show onto the honorable mentions section. Uh, So these are titles that we certainly enjoyed as well. I mean, as as Keith stated earlier in the podcast, it was a very, very strong week. So whittling them down isn't always easy. Uh, So we like to do a few honorable mentions then as well. So what we've done is we broke it down into the three sort of publishing sections. So DC, Marvel and Indie. We're going to kick things off with DC. And it seems only right to have a perfect segue from the black label title that was Wonder Woman Dead Earth to the black label title that's Joker Killer Smile book three tell you what some some uh, week for black label yeah oversized quality black label (laughs) but yeah (laughs) you're funny boys it's gonna be an ongoing battle it'll happen one Um, day but yeah, so this one, we, we sort of talked about Black Label being like an indie sort of a chance for indie creators. What better than sort of two superstar indie creators and Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, and Jordi Belair there. And Jordi Belair as well. Um, the Gideon Falls team. I love this book. Um, this one, we sort of, as you were saying about, oh, does it justify the, you know, the big pages, mate? You know, it's like, this one was really interesting and I love how the first the first page 
Mr. Smiles. Mr. Smiles. What a creation. Um, <laughs> if there isn't a Mr. Smiles uh, plushie, like, <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. But, um, oh, this book, it, it, um, it continued sort of Ben, the psychiatrist, if you haven't read it, Ben, the psychiatrist, was sort of tasked with, um, with his hardest case of trying to diagnose the Joker. Um, unfortunately, the Joker sort of got to him before he could do anything, and the Joker had um, had basically infiltrated his house with um, a children's storybook about Mr. Smiles, and it sort of steamrolled from there. Ben has lost everything now, and it's all gone wrong for him, and what else can he do but succumb to the Joker? Succumb to madness? Yeah. Um, it's an absolutely stunning-looking book, what struck me that was really interesting, usually Lemire and Sorrentino and Belair, their the books are usually like to me they always I think of like really crazy, unique, inventive, yeah, inventive layouts. Layout too, yeah. This one was really simple. Like there's a page where it's just white and it has the Joker hugging Ben and it's like I'll never leave you. Um, so there's a lot of simple imagery, um, but it for me it delivered on everything. It was really a really fitting send off. And um, this is the last issue then of the series. Isn't it? Yeah, well, so it's yeah. it's the last issue of this one. There is going to be a one shot follow up. So this one's called Joker Killer Smile. There's going to be a follow up called Joker Smile Killer. Yeah, so I I thought it was fantastic. It was nice we. A nice sweet invention, <laughs> and I I adored the Mister Smile stuff. Like it's brilliant. So yeah, really, I mean, really need to use more of that. It's a book that when I read the first issue, I don't think it justified the black label format, but I think as the story opened up, the art opened up, mm-hmm. and uh, I think by the end it did certainly justify it. Uh, but yeah, I really I really dug that as well. Thought it ended well, but more than happy to have a nice wee one shot announced as well and uh joker features in the next two of our honorable mentions he does so the first of which is uh in case you've been living under a rock uh batman 89 came out last week uh batman 89 sort of showed in my eyes the slightly ugly side of the comic industry uh so a few weeks before batman 89 came out information started to leak out that it would uh, have the first appearance of a new character uh, who was being labelled as the Joker's new girlfriend. Uh, now, 99% of people who come into our store, certainly, I certainly can't speak for other stores, but certainly with ourselves, they come in because they just enjoy reading comic books. That's that's it. Uh, but with this one, this became very quickly a, quote, investment issue. Uh, there were uh, people selling on eBay for £30 plus the week before it had even been released. Uh, there were other comic stores even up, you know, putting the, the price up and so forth. A certain eBay site, maybe cancelling orders and then putting yeah, it up in price, which yeah, is I mean, very uncalled for. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would certainly never name names, but yeah, I mean, there were certain eBay stores that, you know, they had it listed at cover price. Someone went to buy it before they could actually buy it. It got delisted and then relisted for £25 and above. It was, I mean, I understand the margin sometimes with comic book stores can be tight, but you know, you, 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 if you don't have a customer, you don't have a business and you keep your customers happy by offering them consistency and stuff. So for us, we sold all of our copies, cover price, all to regulars, all to pull list customers. Um, but after all that hullabaloo, what was the issue like? Uh, 
I think this was possibly Tinian's strongest one yet. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think you're starting to see a really interesting exploration of a past that Catwoman certainly has that Batman knows nothing about. Um, I think you're starting to see Bruce Wayne losing his grip. More and more. Uh, you can see that. He's, he's still dealing with the death of Alfred. He's now got mistrust in what is essentially his marriage. You know, if not on paper, it is, you know, they certainly look at it that way. Um, he's he's becoming very brutal, very um, and very careless in some ways. Uh, well, it's interesting because there's no other members of the Bat family around to reign him in a bit. Why would there be after that Pennyworth rip? Exactly. Um, so it's you know because even Catwoman can't sort of rein him in because she's dealing with her own sort of checkered past. Um, I'm surprised you enjoyed this one as much as you did, Keith, given the uh, high volume of Harley Quinn. In yeah, it. I know. That's true. That's true. But um, yeah, just that, that, <laughs> that, that, it was just a really well-written, uh, really beautifully drawn issue. Um, yeah. Colors and inks. Just fantastic. Um, gist of it is that uh, I guess at some point in the dark distant past, four or five of uh, of Batman's rogue gallery have gotten together and done a bit of a deal with uh, an individual who goes by the name of the designer. The designer. Um, and uh, that's going to spell disaster for Gotham and Batman, isn't that right? It is. And, and what's really interesting there, you just mentioned the designer. So this is a new character as well. Uh-huh. But his appearance, this is his first appearance, but everyone forgot about that. <laughs> Even though it's a full page first appearance, but, I mean it's only because <laughs> because Harley Quinn ended up becoming such a big yeah. character off the back of uh, the Batman animated series that whenever she appeared in the comics, you know what I mean. So everybody's waiting for the next yeah. Harley Quinn, and that that's me. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the reason I certainly collect comics anyway, but. Uh, yeah, just a really, really good issue. It's all been part of this storyline called Their Dark Designs. But what's interesting is it's all leading up as well. There's going to be a big crossover Batman event called Joker War, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. That's when Jorge Jimenez comes on as artist from Batman 90. Uh, that's going to lead into that. So, yeah, very strong issue. Really good use of villains. I mean, it's a very packed issue as well. You've got Batman, Catwoman, Harley Quinn. You've got Penguin rushed to hospital. You've got Deathstroke in there. You've got Cheshire. You've got a, another new creation called the, the Bat two- Spawn. The Bat Spawn as well. Of course, a little uh, play on an old Frank Miller idea where he called all the bats with the Sonic device, uh, which was interesting. You've even got a Grizzly creation in here called the Tooth Eater, who was a serial killer, but he hated that name. So he goes by Mr. Teeth now. Uh, yeah, you just really, really strong stuff. I think Tinian's finding his groove now, certainly with Batman. I think the last two, after, for me, a misstep with 87, I think the last two issues have been pretty superb. So, uh, but yeah, what about that amazing one third of a panel though? Look at those lips. There you <laughs> oh, go. Yeah, this is some epilogue. What are you, what, what, what are we calling this character? Uh, that is going to be called Punchline. Punchline. Okay. Uh, the Joker, if that is indeed the Joker's looking, uh, pretty, uh, well, the Joker clearly has designs on the Bat family, even if Bruce doesn't. Did you notice that the picture, so the Joker has a pinboard up behind him with a very, you know, Bat family in the middle. And then I've just noticed something. Yeah, I wonder if it's what that, you're about to tell that me. That all of the pictures uh, of the characters, Dick Grayson, or sorry, Richard Grayson, Jason Todd, Damian Wayne, Barbara Gordon, and Timothy Drake, were all taken at the... Uh, unveiling the, the, yeah either at the unveiling or at the bar in the bar which uh, which of course Drake had uh, 
had swept for bugs and all sorts of things, you know, yeah. and they, they were supposed to be very, very secure. But I had literally only just noticed that as yeah, you started speaking. It was on, the yeah. uh, it was the bow tie on Damien that gave it away. And the weird glasses, the weird 80s Jason glasses Todd. on Jason Todd. You mean yeah. the Matt Murdock glasses? Oh, yeah, yeah, the little round ones. <laughs> um, uh, he's yeah. also referring to him not as Rick Grayson or Dick Grayson. Richard Grayson. Richard Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> Cover all your bases. And that is interesting because uh, the Joker also appears in 1969. Uh, by Dan Jurgens um, and Ronan Cliquet and uh, Nick Filardi on colours and and World Design and letters. Um, but we are getting deeper and deeper into uh, into the so we 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 finished the the last storyline was to do with the uh, what was the whole um, what was that whole imprint that whole banner head that they were doing over uh, oh year the villain uh, year the villain yeah so. Uh, Bloodhaven had gone mad with the, 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 the icon in the sky and all of that, the, the sigil of doom and all that sort of stuff. But uh, we've had our four Nightwings who have replaced um, have replaced Dick Grayson as Nightwing, you know, since he got shot in the head. Uh, that story seems to mostly have been over. They were sort of a wee bit butchered by, uh, by a combination of a mind-controlled uh, Talonified Rick and uh, the Talon, his grandfather or whatever you call him. Um, but... Um, what we've got now is Rick having realised that he has been manipulated, his mind has been manipulated by by the, 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 the psychologist and the, the doctor that Bruce had called for him, mm-hmm. uh, that Bruce had been cheated and tricked and so forth and so on. So he's gone to Zurich to uh, to find her and it's a bit of a, you know, he still refuses to, he still wants to be Rick Grayson, but he's got these two sets of memories now uh, that, that, that sort of up until the point his parents die, it's, he's got his memories, but then after that, they fork off, you know, into the memory set that we know to be true uh, of, um, y- you know, Bruce Wayne adopting Dick Grayson as his ward, you know, and all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the set of memories that that the talent that the Court of Owls have given him, uh, where he was raised by, uh, what do you call him, William Cobb. And you know, made to be the, the the greatest talent. You know, he was the he was the grace on. He was to be the the greatest talent of all time. So he he wants to, he want, he needs one set of memories that's driving him crazy, and he wants to figure out what's going on. You know, so it's a bit of a knockdown knockdown drag out fight. He heads to Zurich. Um, he well, him and him and uh, him and his girlfriend B uh, go to Gotham City Hospital, find his records, find the that uh, this doctor that uh, the specialist that Wayne brought in has completely disappeared. No contact info. Eventually tracks them down to Zurich. Uh, you know, we uh, we have some real good Nightwing action as he goes in and takes out the guards in this <laughs> castle, you know. But and then uh, there's there's a lovely there's a lovely page which is divided right down the middle, with uh, the Talon on one side, and Batman on the other, and you know his his raising as Robin on one side, and then the fake memories have been raised as the Grayson on the other side. Uh, and I'm fighting, you know, I'm fighting alongside Batman as as Robin and as Nightwing. Um, so. It's great stuff. Anyway, uh, they find a court of owls mask in the doctor's uh, in the doctor's uh, desk, of course. And uh, uh, there's some really, there's just some really great, uh, some really great stuff in here. Uh, Nightwing takes apart two, uh, takes apart two talons completely, <laughs> completely. Are they very like different designs as well? Yeah, they seem to be slightly different, uh, differently designed. Uh, Talons. I like, like that. Yeah, yeah, certainly around the eyes are very different to certainly what they did the uh, the original Court of Owls run. Uh, yeah, so some great some great fights, and then uh, she the the doctor 
she unveils this, which is called an identity crystal, and she says, you know, there's two Graysons ex- exist inside your mind, both fighting for dominance. I'd be happy to reinforce one of them as the true one for you. And then she uses this identity crystal and tries to mold him, you know, back into the uh, back into the Grayson, you know. But at the same time, there's this uh, <laughs> over enthusiastic guard who's like, he's resisting, can't let him win. Self destruct sequence initiated, <laughs> you know. So he's, he initiates a self destruct sequence to blow up the castle, which of course interrupts the brainwashing, um, you know. And uh, you know, the castle blows up, and Nightwing and the Doctor are thrown out the side. Uh, sorry, Rick Grayson and the Doctor are thrown outside. Rick Grayson tries to save her, uh, you know, and he's left. He can't save her, but he's left with this identity crystal, which he intends to take home, uh, you know, to try and to go back to home and to, to his girlfriend B and, and and try and use this crystal to figure things out for himself. Uh, but what was interesting was the last couple of pages, um, you know, and uh, we've seen this. It's, it's a bookend because it starts, you know, in this particular room watching this this guy watching TV. And, uh, of course, as the TV's talking about, these four Nightwings would appear to represent, a, you know, a cross-section of Bloodhaven citizens. One would seem to be older, the original, perhaps, as old as 40. And uh, this character is listening to the news in the background going, Eeny, meeny, Nightwingy, no! <laughs> Hits the TV with a crowbar. <laughs> of course, flip of the page. Mr. J. Mr. J. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Joker's appearing here as well. And, uh, as you say, next shot's... Joker War. Joker War. Next, uh, next. sorry, Joker War opening shots. So yeah, uh, Joker seems to run through a lot of things this week. Indeed. But you do have another DC title next up that doesn't have the Joker in it. I do. I do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know uh, who was on Flash Forward. I was on it for the first few issues and then it fell to the wayside for me and based on the repercussions coming out in the latest issues, I really should have stuck with it. Well, that's exactly it. This is number six uh, of a six-bishy miniseries. Uh, Scott Lobdell, uh, Brett Booth. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in here. Uh, I mean, I'll not, I'll not go into detail, but there's a Mobius chair. That's always a, a big thing uh, whenever that appears. Um, and there's I mean, a lot of... The last time a Mobius chair appeared and something big happened was five years ago, and we're still waiting for a resolution there for three Jokers. But you know. and I think you you you're starting to look at it here. Yeah. Uh, effectively, uh, Wally uh, sacrifices himself to save his kids, uh, and in doing so, I think gives us a conclusion or ties into Doomsday Clock, ties into uh, Heroes in Crisis, which is what this came off the back of. Did he get uh, his redemption then? Um, I think he gets Ish. a little more than he bargained for. Um, so uh, he sits in the Mobius chair and uh, he turns a bit blue and uh, uh, it all goes a wee bit pear-shaped. Um, Essentially, he jumped into the Mobius chair and uh, defeated Dan the Deal. <laughs> he, yeah, kind of. Um, so uh, there's Wally by the end of uh, Flash War. He's uh, he's blue, he's covered in lightning and he has an atom symbol on his forehead. Not like, uh, not like Dr. Manhattan's. And even yeah, his uh, yeah sort of thought bubbles or become a wee bit his narration has become yeah. Manhattan-y. Um So yeah, there's a lot uh, there's a lot going okay. on. So I don't know if they're if they're angling Wally now to be the big bad or to be the you know of the DC universe or the cosmic enforcer of the DC universe or the Doctor Manhattan of the DC universe. And if he's in all places at one time at all times, is he in fact the cause of the whole Doomsday Clock thing? And you know, it's it's. Uh, you know, so this was his sacrifice now to make up for everything that he did in Heroes in Crisis. 
you know, the, everything that his madness made him do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, to become whatever whatever he has now become. Uh, but it's it's big stuff. I think it feels like big stuff. And somewhere, Alan Moore is throwing knives at that image <laughs> 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 of uh, Wally West with the Doctor Manhattan symbol on his forehead. So uh, so yeah, pretty uh, pretty heavy stuff. There was a lot going on. Yeah, I really must jump back on that and catch up. Just uh, I get the feeling it is going to have big repercussions and so forth. So, yeah. mm, I mean, it, it, the first two issues were a wee bit meh, but then uh, the last sort of four issues have been have more than made up for it. Uh, cool, yeah, we'll jump from that over to something that completely ignored the first 39 issues that came before it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're on Justice League 41. Uh, you may remember we chatted a little bit before with Justice League 40. It just abruptly ignored Everything from Schneider's run, it looks like that's going to possibly come up in uh, DC Death Metal. Robert Vendetti, isn't it? Robert Vendetti is on uh, writing duties for this. And let me just get the artist is Aaron Lopresti. Uh, Matt Ran on inks, David Barron colorist, and Tom Napolitano letterer. Felt like the most uh, Justice League Justice League issue that I've read in about 40 issues. Yeah, I mean, I've been... I've really enjoyed the change of pace for it. It just feels very classic. It yeah, feels, that's, yeah, that's a word for it. It classic. feels very Mark Waity, JLA era type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this one, the Eradicator has come to Earth and is essentially going to take over. And the Justice League are going to try and stop him. That is essentially it. He's got um, a whole army of Daxamites. Indeed. Uh at this point in the continuity, of course, um, Clark has revealed to the world that he is Superman. And uh, I did like really good dialogue actually at the start where the Eradicator's got his hands around Clark's throat, dressed as Superman. It says, Submit Kal-El, son of Jor-El. He said, Maybe the news didn't reach the antenna in your android brain. Everyone knows I'm not just Kal-El of Krypton. I'm Clark Kent from Kansas. And then he immediately turns to someone and apologizes. like, sorry about the mess. <laughs> Very Superman-y type thing. But yeah, it, just, it felt like it did feel like, like classic DC. And even that even that villain, you know, the Eradicator first came to, yeah, nah, came to early the, 90s, death yeah. of, the death of Superman, Superman. actually. was. But uh, yeah, you've got the Justice League all fighting side by side. You've got Batman off elsewhere in London who is talking to Madame Xanadu, trying to enlist her help. Uh, it feels like a, um, it's it's a powerful force that'll overwhelm the Justice League. Otherwise, did uh, you see that uh, that scene where Batman is takes off his he utility? takes off his utility belt? I cannot unsee his utility belt now. <laughs> his bright yellow utility belt that is just a belt full of pouches. Yeah, you remember, see what I mean? yeah I remember you saying that to me. But uh, but it ended really cool way. So it did. Um, it ended with uh, Madame Xanadu turning up, creating a portal to get them all out of there while they retreat. Uh, Diana says, uh, go, I'll cover our retreat. But it actually ends on this pretty great image where where they've all been transported elsewhere and they're all saying, we have to go back. And Madame Zandu says, I couldn't save all of you. Wait, where? And then you turn and Diana's just being held up, seemingly lifeless. Obviously, not really. But but yeah, just a really, really cool uh, book. Really digging Justice League. Nice change of pace. Clean art style. Fun. Yep, yeah. definitely that. Keyword there. And... Uh, Speaking of fun, let's finish off with one last DC then. Take, <laughs> yeah. take it away, you child of the 80s. So this has been, this is uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse, Roddy, number four of six. Um, and this one will tickle you because finally our uh, multiple He-Mans, our, our Keldor and uh, remaining uh, movie, Dolph Lundgren He-Man, uh, make it to the world known as Eternia, the heart of the universe, the royal palace of Eternos. And uh, 
the, the filmation <laughs> version of He-Man from the 80s cartoon. Just looks like they've lifted it straight off the sails. It absolutely it? does. And the dialogue. Remember, Arco, it's not the recognition of the deed that makes a good deed worth doing. It's the good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and meanwhile, Keldor and uh, and then uh, he who becomes known as Looking Down He-Man uh, for reasons that will become, uh, you know, they're hiding in the vents of Eternos and going... Another lesson, he man. I swear, everyone in this attorney spends their days teaching each other to be better people. They're so, oh. <laughs> you know, but uh, of course they have to. The, these two have to. Keldor has been uh, recruited by uh, by movie He Man uh, to to stop the anti He Man uh, from killing He Man across the multiverse and taking their swords and the power of grace gone so far up until now they failed. Uh, the the little uh, comic-y strippy He-Man who was known as Looking looking Up He-Man because Keldor thought he was always looking up at him because he was so small uh, whereas this He-Man was taller and is known as Looking Down He-Man we also uh, we also later on um, we also later on meet uh, you know this is this has got to work or or anti He-Man is going to turn looking down He-Man into one of his frothing insane disciples and looking up He-Man and space mullet He-Man will have died for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a wee bit tongue-in-cheek, but it is a great story. Um, very much uh, enjoying it. I'm glad it's finally come round to the He-Man that we know and love from mm-hmm. uh, the the, uh, the, uh, the TV series. And we have a we have a shock ending as the transformation of, uh, of our Keldor uh, into Skeletor begins. And the the, the fact that that our Skeletor appears in this is as great as well. <laughs> you know, he says his uh, his dialogue is absolutely straight from the, you know, straight from the the cartoon show. When they realise their clown is dead, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad Keith did that voice while we're recording. Yep. he did it earlier, and I thought, no, he's done it early. <laughs> but yeah, that's couldn't uh, stop him from doing it all day. <laughs> There's two more issues of this left, so I'm really glad I'm on this. Uh, uh, Tim Seeley's the writer in this one, so yeah, well worth it. I'll, I'll throw cool. it to you once all six issues are out. Looking forward to it. He'll throw you that and a uh, 2,000 page uh, <laughs> omnibus of all He-Man <laughs> comics ever published by DC Comics. You're, you're welcome to that as well. <laughs> I'll be picking uh, up for a long time, yeah. but uh, it was great. It was great for my weightlifting uh, regime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a few. I've got a few witty tomes, you know, I can work out with. Uh, I yeah. have many books, <laughs> many leatherbound books. Um, Yes, that's going to do it for DC. There are one or two more, um, I'm sure, but I do know that one that probably would be worth the mention, but I haven't read it yet, and I'm guessing Keith hasn't, but it's always a consistent title, is uh, Jimmy Olsen by Matt Fraction, Steve Leiber. Yeah. Always a great book. Um, Just just missed the cutoff point this time. Uh, Did you notice um, Hawkeye Freefall Mm -hmm. last week? Uh, Hawkeye went in to steal a life model decoy of himself. Yeah. very Jimmy Olsen, which is exactly what uh, Jimmy Olsen, written by Matt, Matt Fraction. Fraction, he of previous Hawkeye yeah. Parish. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, so yeah, so that'll do it for us for DC. Uh, we'll jump on to Marvel. As I say, it was a slightly quieter Marvel week for myself, uh, with just the three titles: um, Guardians of Galaxy Two. I thought was pretty cool. Um, 
There was another number one for a certain uh, X-Men that we may chat about quickly as well, but which was one of my other books. But my standout was undoubtedly Daredevil, number 18. Uh, again, this was close to being my pick of the week, but as much... I know this will sound ironic coming from me, given that every single title is a bloody Batman title. I wanted a bit of variety, so I wasn't going to pick Daredevil again. But no, this run is just incredible. Um, Chip Zdarsky continuing on writing duties. There's been a bit of a revolving door of artists, but they've all been great in their own ways. But Jorge Fornes is my standout artist when it comes to Daredevil. Very Dave Mazzuchelli style. He of uh, Batman Year One. So... This is all coming to a head. This is the last part of Through Hell. It's going to lead into a new storyline uh, with the next issue. And in this issue, you have finally the coming of Detective Cole North. You have his moment. Oh, what a moment. As Keith refers to it, his Independence Day moment. Uh, so essentially, um, the cops have been warned about going into certain areas in Hell's Kitchen. They've basically been warned by all the organized crime elements in the city. Some are taking bribes. Some are not going in just because they're afraid. The, the Stormwinds feature heavily in that, as we found out yeah. last issue, that through Fisk, you know, they've been given the order. The cops have been given the order to stay out of uh, Hell's Kitchen because effectively the Stormwinds want to drive up crime and drive down property prices. Yeah and so you've, you've got them all sitting in the in the department you know one of them sort of said i mean sure turning a blind eye to the kitchen i get that it's a lost cause you know but the the background to this is as well is that uh, there's a child missing which is the child of matt murdoch's mistress shall we say well the child the part of the library family uh, library family library crime family yeah so you know, they're they're all sitting around talking about it a little bit like, oh, yeah, you know, missing kids sort of changes things. But they're still not prepared to do anything about it. And then you just have this silence that falls over the whole department and the shadow of Cole North there. And he just becomes very matter-of-fact very quickly. Uh, a child is missing. Taken by a mobster in a gang war, you're all too scared to stop. That make you feel good? That you're following orders, doing your job? People are dying. The good cops in this room still think they're good cops because they're not taking bribes. But the order to stay out of the kitchen is coming from bad guys. So the difference between the cops on the take and you, you're not even making any money for being dirty. I'm sick of being a bad cop. Our neighborhood is on fire. A little girl is missing and we know who took her. So which of you are going to join me and be a cop? And you you just know that's the point. If this was a movie, the music slowly kicks in. <laughs> yeah. One person gets up. This is the I'm Spartacus moment oh, as well. Definitely. You know? And he finishes with well, all right. Well, all right. Let's do the job. Let's do the job. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's great stuff. You know, obviously Cole is in, um, he's in contact with Daredevil as well. They've sort of got a bit of a, a mutual truce at the moment. Um, they're both sort of fighting for the same thing, maybe just from different angles. Uh, you've got just so, so much happening in this issue. Uh, but the main takeaway I took, I mean, what was interesting was they mentioned Bullseye in a previous issue and i was convinced he was going to be the big person in this issue but they leave that until the very end uh where they bring in plenty of uh plenty of villains to say the least crossbones rhino bullseye stilt man and is that man mountain marco behind there i think that might just be and look at the dead body just up in the uh top there as well mm. oh stilt man see finally friendly neighborhood spider-man stilt man is getting his dues at last. Tom Taylor would be proud. But yeah, there's just there's big moments in this all the way through. I mean, you've got um, the missing child's father trying to you know finally grow a set and stand up to Owlsley and so forth. 
and that doesn't you, go well. And well, you see Alsley's ruthless streak, to say the least. And again, just the art style, just the shadows, the colors. I just love this art style. It's just incredible. Uh, you know, you have a great moment of it in the middle as well with Daredevil, where he basically talks a guy down who has a gun. You know, Cole North is ready to shoot the guy. He's got someone held hostage. Well, it's the little girl they're looking for. Uh, and then Matt's actually able to talk the guy down, you know, just saying heartbreak, breathing, muscle twitches, take the details, make a picture. This man is no killer of children. Um, and I do love that he hands the gun over to a cop and they go, who the hell are you? And you just see off panel, he's with me. <laughs> so Cole North and Matt are very much uh, together. Well, they've, it's taken them a long time to get there. It's taken 17 issues. <laughs> uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful book. I really can't send off good stuff about Daredevil. If you're not on it, you have to get on it because this is, I per- personally think this is a legendary run. This is one that we talking about in 10 years, 20 years. Perfect. I don't Brilliant disagree. Um, what else we got then Marvel-wise? How about yourself, Roddy? You throw one out there. Sure. Um, this one going for Conan the Barbarian, number 13. Uh, this is the start of a brand new story arc, a new writer, new artist, new cover artist jumping on. Um, so this is Jim Zub as the writer, Rose Antonio, who actually did Conan 2099, which we oh. talked a wee bit about. Um, and then noted fantasy artist E.M. Geist doing the covers as well, which are fantastic. So... I believe he's done uh, Wizards of the Coast trading cards and a lot of other stuff like that. So I guess this is a wee bit... Uh, uh, I suppose this is the first issue that Jason Aaron hasn't been on, Conan the Barbarian, isn't that right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, I know, did Jim Zub do any... He was on... Um, what did you call Savage Sword? Yes, I think he was on Savage Sword, yeah. Was it the Gambler? Could have been. Gambler one? Could have been. Something like that. But yeah, we're, we're sort of jumping back into it. Conan... You know, wandering Samaria, and he basically ends. Where does he end up? And uh, Garchal in Utara Kuru. Um, they're awash with excitement because he's rocked up, and he's immediately put to a contest. And I think he sort of he sort of walks into it by yeah. accident. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. You know, there's he's had a bit of drink, and there's a heavy thing to lift. <laughs> and as you do when you're drunk, you got to beat the other person. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it says. A lifetime of strength built through battle, aided through, aided with ignorance, fueled by flagons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, it was really, it's really different, but it was really good. I really yeah, enjoyed it. I really it. enjoyed it. Yeah. It's very, his, the narration's very, like, whippy almost. It's very, it's very strange for Kunan, but there was a lot of, um, a lot of sort of dark humor, and, um, I really enjoyed the story. It's sort of, kept quite simple obviously the title of the storyline is called into the crucible so you know what's going to happen there it's going to be a lot of competition gladiatorial combat i'd say i feel um, like uh, the conan and this is a slightly younger man than uh mm-hmm. than the than previous the 12 Muffet issues F, yeah. yeah um but i think he i think it's sort of tying him back he's younger sort of a bit more a bit more naive almost to Bit more mis- could be that, but he's I mean he's he's thinking as well, you know, he's not just he's not just swinging a sword. <laughs> but yeah, um yeah, can't say enough good things about it. I wasn't wasn't too sure whether to stay on it or not. So I thought maybe 
maybe the end of a Jason Aaron run might be the best point to sort of jump, jump off. off. But I thought, no, I'll give it a go. And yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, glad I, glad I stuck with it. Looking forward to it. see what is next. Um, Roja Antonio's got a really, really nice art style for it as well. Very, something cartoony about it, but I can't quite put my finger on it. It looks like it would be really good uh, He-Man artist, actually. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But did, yeah. You, but did you say there was one slight disappointment in there? The lack of the prose story. Oh, oh yes. yes. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was like, what are you talking about? That <laughs> <laughs> was actually Keith who noticed it. Um, I was just like, oh, yeah, there we go. And Conan 1 to 12, there was always a backup prose story. And obviously all the parts would link together over the, the 12 issues. But they have uh, chosen to dispense with that. Which but yeah, is that's me. a bit of a shame. Uh, yeah, so just a couple of Marvel ones to throw off. Uh, the first one, certainly one that I'd read. Um, hit us, oh no, you lead the way in this though. You will. You are the fountain of X-Men knowledge. What have you got there? Well, we've got uh, Wolverine's uh, solo introduction into uh, the, the Dawn of X. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're... Uh, Hickman credited as the, the head of X in this one. Um, so this was an interesting one, uh, oversized issue. Uh, two stories, two complete stories, um, both both written by Benjamin Percy, the first drawn by Adam Kubert, uh, and the second drawn by Victor B- Bogdanovich. Um, so I don't know which is going to be the lead story. You know, which is which are the obviously they're not going to continue this. As I'm a nearly side, sure they always stated Kubert was uh, the main artist on this. Oh, okay. So I would imagine it'll be the story moving forward. Uh, so yeah, this is a, an interesting story that that seems to. Uh, well, I mean, it's definitely the first story is definitely related to X Force in a way, but it seems to really talk about not just. Um, not just the idea of you know the the cloning you know the, the process of cloning and 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 whatnot that that they're they're, they're undertaking on Krakoa, but um, Wolverine's a character who has effectively died or close to died a load of times and has come back you know or as you know he's been he's been butchered he's been killed all sorts of ways in fact he he lists at the start uh, you know the number of times the number of ways that he's been. He's been destroyed. He's been beaten, poisoned, burned, bombed, slashed, stabbed, shot, electrocuted, drowned. Been knifed through uh, with hot veins of metal. Had his bones turned inside out. Been nuked, steamrolled, crucified, ripped in half, chewed up and spit out. Uh, my body is one big wound. I carry a million scars. You know, so uh, there's a, a wee bit of an exploration here about you know if if they're these mutants are dying and resurrected, and then every time they die, they're remembering how they died, and you know they're crying along this. The emotional mental, scars, yeah, yeah, emotional scars, and what does that do to somebody? You know, there's um, a great uh, drinking scene with uh, Logan and uh, Kate Pride, who's just about to leave in the Marauder. Um, uh, we're I do enjoy her taking the mick out of Wolverine's bad taste in whiskey. That's right. He's sort of like, drinks. I could get you anything from all over the world, and instead you drink this Canadian piss. I think she calls yeah, it. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. You know, um, we're introduced to a new drug that has uh, been harvested from the seeds, the Krakoan seeds, called pollen, uh, and uh, and what it does, um, it has become an epidemic street level drug in a short space of time. Um, so there's a little bit of there's a little bit of that. Um, we're introduced to the Order of X. We've seen a little bit about that. That's the religious order that sort of semi worships the mutants, yeah. um, and things get a little twisted there. Um, 
But yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting stuff. Um, uh, I thought the art was great. The art was. I thought Kubert's stuff Kubert's was very good. Art is fantastic. Kubert, I mean, he's um, Adam and Andy Kubert have been around for a long time, and obviously sons of Joe Kubert, um, and went to the. They were the first students, I think, at the Kubert School, Kubert School, of, School yeah. of Art. You know, um, but his style just continues to. Been at it a long time, but still continues to change. Did he maturing. do Origin Two? Uh, I think it's yes, could have been, yeah, yeah. So the second story was called uh, Catacombs, but say by Victor Bogdanovich, um, and it uh, featured Apocalypse and the first appearance of uh, Omega Red, uh, who has been a, an arch enemy of of Wolverines and the X Men for for quite some time. There's some uh, some moral. Um, uh, there's some moral quandaries around uh, the X-Men taking in such a, a well-known killer and so forth and so on. But uh, but yeah, there's um, there's some some good stuff in there as well. Some uh, Logan uh, trapped and uh, by vampires actually, uh, and and hung upside down and things don't go well. Oh, there's one scene here where they they actually tap Logan. They put a tap into his jugular, and they're tapping blood out of him to drink. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't go well for them, and they end up. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, it was a it was a great uh, it was a great first issue. Um, Do you feel it ties in really well to the other X stuff? It feels mm. a lot like um, it feels a lot like the the solo stuff, uh, the, the Wolverine's old solo stuff. Uh, the Wolverine book has always tied in, but has very much been a solo series, and that's what this felt like. So mm-hmm. um, I think Benjamin Percy, who is also writing. Uh, Wolverine and X-Force has really nailed it with this one. Uh, I know that Vicky was a big fan of this as well. Yeah, she thoroughly enjoyed it. Wolverine being one of her favourite characters, so she was excited to have this uh, come back as well. So uh, what's quite interesting, actually, just we were saying how the Kuberts have been around for a long time. Uh, Andy Kubert did the art on Origin, and then uh, Adam Kubert did the art on Origin too. Ah, there we are. Okay. <laughs> one on to the other. Uh, and then we have our always in honorary <laughs> mentions title. This is as predictable as me picking Batman. Well, yep. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm uh, picking uh, Jane Foster Valkyrie number eight. Um, Keith is on a one man mission yeah, to sell this just, book to just, the world. You just need to. You just need to read this book. Is the horse in it? Uh, Mr. Still? Horse is in it. Yeah, uh, very much so. And he's picked up the lexicon well enough. He has that picked up the lexicon beautifully. So. Um, Al Ewing, uh, this was the last issue, was, was issue seven, and he, his, uh, Jason's co-writer was a Norwegian writer, mm-hmm. uh, Torin Grombeck, uh, who has come on and has done fantastic stuff. So, uh, start, of a, start of a new story arc at the end of all things. Um, it is a wonderful, we see a wee bit of, uh, of Jane's, um, her her secret identity life, her regular life, you know, and and the things that are that are going on that doesn't last very long because she suddenly gets a feeling, and uh, you know activates the the all weapon and changes into the Valkyrie, uh, which she can see she can see death impending death above everybody's heads, so she knows something is is coming that's going to potentially be a danger to all these people, so she sweeps into action, um, and uh, and yeah, it's not too long before. Uh, Mr. Horse appears, <laughs> you know. So uh, we've got a great crossover with uh, Captain America, uh, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man. Uh, so there's there's some great stuff going on here. I love that. 
you know, uh, Valkyrie alongside Captain America, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man and Mr. Horse. Um, and Thor, who appears strangely in his pre-Donny Cates, uh, yeah. you know, Jason Aaron, uh, sort of get up with his one arm, his destroyer arm, one, arm, his one, one eye. eye. Uh, yet, on the cover, it is the, yeah. the Donny Cates Thor that is interesting uh, on there. Um, Explanation so given there? Or? Not, not one bit. Not one bit. No. Um, definitely not. But uh, just a really good, solid story. It's great to see, uh, you know, this is the first time Thor has crossed over with, with Valkyrie in her own book, you know, since Jane Foster became the Valkyrie. And uh, so, yeah, it's... It's good stuff. It's really, it's a really strong, it's a really strong story. Uh, there's a, an ancient evil and uh, all sorts of good stuff. But uh, yeah, most enjoyable issue yet. The key question being is when is Mister Horse going to get his own book? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, if, well. I mean, if Groot can get his own book, you know, I think there's a definite potential there, written by Al Ewing. Uh, <laughs> so yeah so that'll bring an end to the Marvel for this week uh, so we'll finish off then with Indie uh, nice uh, range of publishers certainly for the Indie stuff that we, we all seem to dig this week why don't you kick us off Roddy I know this is one you were looking forward to for a while a few yeah, delays along the way unfortunately um, so this one is Canopus by Dave Chisholm and really looking forward to this one being really digging it's published by Scout Comics and Dave does the story, the arts, the colors, and the letters. Show and off. <laughs> talented people, eh? And then also Dustin Payette is the color flats on it as well. Um, I like the nod to George Melias on the cover with the, the moon. The yeah. moon. Uh, that's a, I don't know if you've ever seen that. A Trip to the Moon, listeners. That's one to One of the first out. ever movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, this, this book was... Bit of a mind bender, definitely, but um, really enjoyed it. Really quirky indie, just a completely out there book. I really loved it. Um, basically, Helen wakes up on this uh, faraway planet with not really many memories, but a vague sense of the fact that she has to get out of there to make it back to Earth to survive. Um, she's then introduced to uh, Arthur. Arthur, the robot. What a The robot who's wearing multicolored moon boots. <laughs> wow. Gotta get me a pair of those. Um, it continues on. There's a lot of... Um, I did find it Helen. funny that one of the early panels had her going, Amnesia. Could this be any more cliche? Yeah. Her face is crazy. I love yeah. the there's Expression. I got um little bird vibes as well, Ian Bertram vibes. Um the uh the settings in the book are absolutely fantastic. I love how the planet's drawn. Um they basically stumble upon an old sort of deposit and they find a bunch of kids' dolls, which I thought was really creepy. And then uh, I love that a character as uh unique as Arthur in this book goes, This is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> um and then Helen sort of recognizes one of the dolls and it sort of it uh sort of triggers memory triggers this amazing sequence of um this amazing panel layout and I just I just loved it there's so many so much creativity going on in it um that you don't really you don't really see um I really loved I don't know how many panels there are on that on that, that double page spread but any wee postage stamps, uh, and, it's yeah. followed, and it's even followed by another double page spread. 
with uh, the toy toy on the left hand side and then the toy on the right hand side very Lovely Dennis symmetry. the Menace vibes from that toy oh yeah yeah red and black stripe jersey yeah but yeah um, not much else to say about it really just really dug it really can't wait to see where it goes from here and uh, for one man to do all that that's pretty damn impressive I got sort of Inception-y vibes from it sometimes as well certainly towards the end of the book um, oh, and the is that when the where there's this big open? massive natural formation and um, yeah, I mean, I dread to think how long this book took, but <laughs> Arthur also levels up at one point as well, which is one of the most satisfying parts of the book. <laughs> yeah, it's class. <laughs> but yeah, and in, in terms of setting up a very unique mystery, I think it was really really successful. Um, I even find it interesting that uh, towards the end of the book, she sees like this white sort of figure mm-hmm. in this deep, dark hole. And I mean, we're looking at it. It's the most nondescript entity ever. But she sort of looks and goes, Dad. And then it, it sort of ties back to all of the um, all of the Spaceman stuff from before. So, yeah, I thought it was a really, really intriguing issue. It's four issues, I, I think say. so, yeah. Very dense, though. There's a lot to take in, like, especially towards the end. There's a lot of speech bubbles. A lot of words in that page. But, um, yeah. It's one of of those books as well. I I felt, you know, you're getting value out of it, you know, because each page you can sort of pour after. And as you say, there's lots of little details there, lots of dialogue. Um, Yeah, I just thought it was really, really unique and inventive, you know. I've not not really seen much, much like it. Yeah. No, I, I dug it as well, I have to say. And the sort of the chattering teeth imagery was pretty damn horrifying <laughs> in places, I got to say as well. But yeah, Arthur, great character. He really is. I have to yeah. say. Um, yeah, cool. I'll definitely be sticking with that. Really dug the first issue as well. So that was uh, Canopus number one. Uh, what else have we got? So we've got a couple of image titles. Um, I'll kick things off with a new number one, which was called On the Stump. Uh, on the stump is written by Chuck Brown. Uh, art, the artist I'm not overly familiar with, uh, just goes by one name, Prenzy. Uh, lettering Clayton Cowles. This was sort of uh, politics meets WWF wrestling. Um, when I was a kid, I was massively into wrestling, and then I went through many years there where I just didn't care. But I have to say, I've been getting back into wrestling recently in a big <laughs> way. You know, so this book really appeals to me. I've been watching a lot of the older stuff, but I've been watching a, a lot of recent stuff as well. But uh, yeah, with On the Stump, essentially it kicks off with this uh, sort of stump, large stump in the middle of an arena instead of uh, a ring and two guys are fighting. The first line of dialogue is, come on America, let's make some motherfucking noise. And you're introduced to this bare knuckle fight between Senator Jack Hammer, what a name, and uh, Senator Sweet Smell Shaw. So they all have like <laughs> wrestling names as well. Um, and it's basically they're just fighting and fighting. One guy's lying down. The uh, Jackhammer character is lying down. Looks like he's taking a fall because he's being hammered. But his eyes are wide open. Uh, he eventually fights back. And then this all leads to the fact that he was meant to throw the fight but he didn't but what the fights are about is this is how they now pass laws in this version of america they fight and whoever wins gets to pass a law which is just absolutely nuts but even with this ridiculous system there's still loads of room for you know dodgy backhanders and dodgy dealing you've got this uh police officer who's investigating who's trying to get jack hammer on her side to to look into things uh You've got another part with uh, 
what do you call this one? Uh, you find him a little further in. Uh, there's a guy who attacks Jackhammer, stabs oh, him in the, the shoulder. Wrestler, yeah, you well, see him a little yeah. bit further in, so you do. Uh, you're introduced to these two female assassins who kill Sweet Smell uh, in his hospital room and then go off for lunch. Sounds mental. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I mean, you've got a wrestler who crashes into a news agency because someone was uh, writing a bad story about him. The guy is clearly wearing what looks like a Deadpool t-shirt free speech, as well. man. Yeah. And that looks more like a Spider-Man t-shirt. <laughs> well, see, it looks like Deadpool to me there, but there's sketches in the back and you can see the lines of Spider-Man a bit more. So uh, I thought that was interesting, but you've got like this big guy in the offices who who stands up for who actually wrote the article, you know, and sort of squares up to him this bit. You think there's going to be this big fight, but the wrestler backs off, goes outside. How's that for a page, Keith, on the right? <laughs> <laughs> wow so he so the guy who stood Something up for him <laughs> well what happens is he beats the crap out of the wrestler for half a second you think he's got the better of him and then the wrestler stands up and goes ha good match but it's over now punches him so hard in the face that his eyeball flies out um and then as if that's not enough he then pulls out his special move which seems to be some sort of round switchblade frisbee and cuts his head off but it's all done in a cartoony way. It's just really over the top. I had no idea what to expect with it. Uh, no, me neither. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, when you you uh, gave it to me there, it was fantastic. I loved the idea of it. And uh, Keith, you would definitely love the... Um, in the arena at the back. There's a really great uh, discussion and sort of essay that they do about... Um, Modern society. Yeah, and how we sort of... Um, we don't really analyze anything. We just sort of... With all the media we intake, we There's have no to critical dis- thinking. Yeah, is that it? Just read read that. Okay, yeah. you will agree with probably everything they say. If you um, look closely, it says at the bottom here, written by Keith. Mil- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was brilliant. So really, just really like it's presented as fun, but there is also critical thinking yeah. in it too. You know, so I thought that was brilliant stuff. No, definitely. Um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Definitely gonna be sticking with that. I mean. Look at the cover. I mean, it has Congress exploding and wrestlers and... Oh, yeah. Totally up my street at the moment. <laughs> Gotta say. Uh, yep, that's on the stump number one. Highly, highly recommend that as well. Uh, another image book we, of course, have been enjoying and gets mentioned pretty much every podcast that comes out. And for 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 reasons, like... Um, Undiscovered Country number four by uh, Schneider, Soul, and Cameron Coley. Um... So uh, continues. We continue discovering a little more about uh, the United States of America. A little bit more about the Destiny Man and, and what's going on there. Um, we we th- I mean we discovered a little more last issue about the time dilation that has been presenting itself. Yeah. Uh, what well, you know how how you know the U.S. may have only have closed its borders a number of decades ago, but because of the time dilation, it has been quite a considerable time longer than that isn't that right yeah mm-hmm. um so there's a th- that presents answers but also further mysteries the destiny man's a really interesting character we're discovering a little bit more about him and and uh, the society that he has created or not necessarily created but is a part of um and uh, that is all every issue has been set against you know learning a little more about the background of the characters who are on the team that come across the wall into the u.s uh, and in this case, we learn a little more about uh, the journalist Valentina Sandoval, um, who, uh, yeah, she's. We see, um, uh, what do you call him? Uh, Bukowski. Is it Bukowski or Bukowski? 
the who the guy who was the pilot, oh, but the, who was yeah, also yeah, 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 yeah Pavel yeah. Pavel Bukowski. Um, you know him recruiting her, and uh, there's just this. You know she can't understand. Really, she can't understand why because there's no way that she or as her research has shown, any of the others on the team are the best people for this job. So what the hell is going on? And uh, uh, why are they here? Why have they been chosen? And uh, obviously, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Major Graves has, has shown he's now, he's betrayed his sister and the rest of the team to the Destiny Man and all of this mad stuff. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, that Uncle Sam is looking crazier and crazier as as he <laughs> passes. And, uh, it's revealed that um, that the sister Charlotte Graves has has the Sky Virus, um, and uh, it's yeah. But I mean, there's 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 some real revelations in this in this issue. It's just such a book. I thought this was the strongest one yet, to be honest. With Did everything, you? the writing, the art. I know there was a big, the big revelation was in issue three, but this one really taking it to another level, like even from the art style, the vibe of it, the coloring, and uh, all the stories sort of linking together and the history too, and even the, the flashback scene I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's just... Um, yeah, doing a number on me from what I thought about yeah, the first one. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. And there's some great, I mean, that, that picture of, of Uncle Sam, there's a picture of Uncle Sam down here. I'm starting to wonder, I mean, is he an android or right, is, he, no. is he, there's there's something wrong, something going on here, but, um, and who is Aurora? That's the question. Uh, and then we, we we learn a little more in the back matter about the uh, the years that led up to the sealing of the United States of America um, and all of that good stuff. So that's, that's fantastic, and the the story about the process. Uh, this issue is from Scott Snyder. Yeah. Uh, so their back matter has to be the best in any comics these days. I'm absolutely adoring it. I don't know. Last Gods up there. Oh yes, matter. yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's no songs in Undiscovered Country yet. No, that's true. But there are excerpts from that book. And there the is, ceiling. there is, <laughs> there is the space shuttle Endeavor about to be launched attached to two balloons, two uh, dirigibles, which is just crazy. Absolutely nuts. But yeah, great, great book. Every issue answers questions, poses questions, uh, explores the world a wee bit more. We, it's such a, such a good book. I mean, that was a slow starter for you, Roddy. So yep, it's nice to way. see how much you're, you're enjoying it now. Um, yeah, any other ones you want to throw out there? I see another image book sitting there that probably was close to being a pick of the week as well. Yeah, I gotta say, um, this is, I said that, that I had struggled with my, uh, with my pick of the week between a couple of, uh, of, um, indie books. Undiscovered Country was certainly up there, but, but the one that Middle West beat by, beat by a sniff was uh was uh Greg Rucka um Greg Rucka's uh Old Guard Force Multiplied number 3 the third issue of Greg Rucka's second series about the Old Guard um and uh it was just a brilliant a brilliant issue so Greg Rucka on writing Leandro Fernandez on on art uh Daniela Miwa on colors so it's the original Old Guard team as we know um the the first two issues involved uh 
you know, we've been following Booker. Booker has been captured by a mysterious uh, character who is also an immortal character. Um, Copley from the first the first book is has has been sniffing around again and uh, and all of that. But they, uh, I don't know if you remember, Roddy, uh, the the first series of Old Guard. And do you remember we talked we 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 learned a little bit about Andy's background and the fact that there were two characters who she ran around with. Uh, one who was her lover for two millennia. Oh yes, uh, who yeah, fell off the ship so. and just yeah. died. And they were yeah. talking about how when they die, they don't know when they're going to die or if they're going to die, but they will mm-hmm. eventually. And this was the the revelation in this, and it's great the way they've written it, you know. And we said at the time, we said at the time of the book club that Greg Rocca had left these threads dangling that he could pick up at any time, and <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and did he not just go ahead and do it, uh, <laughs> you know? And it was just that, you know, dangled them down in the ocean, hundred percent. And it was that moment that we realized we've seen this character in the last two issues, this other immortal character that has captured Booker. And at no point did it cross my mind that this could be who it is. And we realize and have it confirmed for us at exactly the same time as Andy realizes that this is Noriko, uh, the, the, the woman who was her lover for two millennia and, you know, was 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 knocked off a sailing ship. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, she was knocked off the ship and she was gone. That was the last, you know. And the the certainly the feeling I got from this is that this woman has been drowning and waking up and drowning and waking up and drowning and waking up for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. What hell must that be? Uh, so uh, yeah, lovely. Lovely opening sequence uh, of Andy and, and Noriko uh, talking about, you know, the development of boats and ships and such. And, and then a, like a storm. And that's, Nikki is on board this boat with her. Uh, Nikki and Joe, I think, are on board this boat with her. Uh, I hadn't realized that, certainly, in the first series. I'd assumed that at that time Andy and Noriko were on their bigger, own. But yeah. it seems that Andy and Joe, or, or uh, Joe and Nikki were also on board this ship. Um, it was before the time of Booker. Um, and uh, whenever Noriko's washed overboard, and then of course Andy and Joe also recognise Noriko, so that's sort of in in the modern day. But yeah, there's some some great stuff uh, going on. A great fight scene between Noriko and Andy and, uh, and the others, and then uh, just yeah, they didn't just, talk about it, did they? They were just like they just, right? <laughs> yeah, well, they tried to. Andy <laughs> tried to. Noriko didn't yeah. seem to be interested in talking. Um, there's a great scene where uh, where um, Copley meets uh, Mustafa King Moose, who is the, the contact um, that Niles has had up until now. Uh, Copley, of course, was the guy who they worked for in the first series that set up the sting on them, mm-hmm. uh, that you know revealed their their immortality to the guy that he was working for, the the bad of the first series. But uh, yeah, Copley Copley knows what he's after here, you know, and he's trying to put Mustafa on it without really revealing that. You know, there's a great scene between the two of them, really, where he, he more or less tells them they're immortal without telling them they're immortal. <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, just issue three was just fantastic, just fantastic. Like every issue that came before, yeah, like every it's issue that's just at all, it really is, you know. Because um, even even there were even at the start, there's a lot of there's still a lot of stuff about technology and like the movement of time forward, and even like they're excited by boats. Mm-hmm. And even in the first the first series, it was like Andy struggling with technology and 
her character there's a lot more you're getting of her character in this one that i'm just um absolutely loving mm, oh yeah and it's yeah this and uh i love what they're doing with niles freeman the mm-hmm. you know the, the new immortal um and there was there's this scene where they walk into john's grill i guess she's there to meet mustafa who is her fbi contact mm-hmm. um and uh, you can just see in the background of the bar you can <laughs> see you see copley standing mm-hmm. uh <laughs> trying not to be noticed you know and and then uh you know, Noriko is outside the bar, and uh, Andy's in the alleyway saying, "Noriko, let's talk." And she's wearing Andy's wearing a huge long trench coat. That's a that's a Highlander reference if there ever was one. <laughs> uh, I know your sweet spot. Oh, absolutely. You know, and she's like, "Noriko, we need to talk." And uh, Copley walks outside, and he's like, uh, "You know, from this from the uh, the other alley, I'd give them some space, James. They've got a lot of catching up to do." And there's Nikki and Joe going. So do we, it seems. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is great. This is a great series. So close to being pick of the week. So close. <laughs> well, I think um, it was one of those ones that fell file off. We always talk about it. Yeah. So. No, that's fair. That uh, is fair. It was my pick of the week. Uh, the first issue was my pick of the week. So. Uh, uh, fair game unfair. for number four. <laughs> I reckon he'll hold off to number five as long yeah. as it wraps up well. That'll be pick of the week. <laughs> you know, be like when the Oscars rewarded Return of the King for all the good work that came before it, essentially. <laughs> um, so yeah, any other indie books to throw onto the pile? Did I see a wee bit of eighties love there? Yeah, I think um, Transformers Galaxy was really strong. Haven't really been enjoying the. Uh, the main series, but I really enjoyed this one. This was an exploration of the Constructicons. Um, yeah, the uh, Levo Ramadelli's art is utterly sublime. It's worth getting for that alone. Just um, the way he sort of draws and presents the Transformers, it's very, um, there's something really eerie about it, um, which you don't really associate with Transformers. Um, but they managed to make these uh, five or six bots just look look and feel really sort of um, like out there and uh, glum, which is a bit weird because their their place in Cybertron is almost sort of lost. Really they, enjoyed they that. They effectively built Cybertron and then were exiled. Is that the way yeah. it sort of went? And then the only the only thing is it's quite a shame because Galaxies is going to be they're sort of after this issue they're moving away and trying to tell like other side stories within this universe so don't know how well that's gonna go but um yeah good luck to them i really enjoyed this one though really worth picking up keith they're both off the main title though yeah Yeah. disappointing it's interesting because just as you just went off the main title when keith came on new comic book day last week he walked past the new release racks and he just went that's a gorgeous Transformers cover. Oh, yeah. It was, was like, that Megatron uh, on it? Megatron's yeah, face or half yeah. thereof, yeah. I saw that. Really beautiful looking cover. <laughs> a shame about the content inside not matching the cover, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, cool. So that's going to do it for us in terms of releases from the 19th of February. Uh, so we finish off with uh, the same way we finish every time, which is titles we're looking forward to this new comic book day. Uh, I'll kick off first. You'll be none too surprised to know that a Batman title is on my list. Uh, Batman Curse of the White Knight, number seven. So this is the second last issue of Sean Murphy's thoroughly brilliant run. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Issue six was a triumph. I've recently reread the first White Knight as well. I just love this series. 
Uh, looking forward as well to X-Men Fantastic Four number two. Uh, Chip Zdarsky and the Dodsons on that one. First issue was brilliant. First issue just slid effortlessly into the Dawn of X stuff. Though curiously is the only title yet not to carry head of X, Jonathan Nickman. <laughs> and also, strangely, uh, Kitty Pride was in her, her old costume rather than her Marauder's costume. Yeah. Yeah, she was very uh, landlocked in that issue, to say the least, as we well. We bet now. So, uh, but yeah, thoroughly loved the first one, so looking forward to the second one. And then the third title for me uh, is actually an indie title. It's a new release called Hidden Society, number one. This is a series from Dark Horse. Uh, the main reason this attracted me is that I'm a big fan of a title called uh, American Vampire, and also which was with Scott Schneider and an artist called Raphael Albuquerque. He's also the artist on Huck with Mark Miller, so big fan of the artist. So he's artist here with the writer being Raphael Scavoni. So Hidden Society is a new series, uh, hidden from ordinary eyes. There is a world alongside our own full of deities, demons and danger. Where magic winds out over science and dark secrets lie in wait. Ulu, the last wizard from the Hidden Society, enlists the aid of a blind girl and her demon, a young magician and a cursed bounty hunter, in order to stop a group of nihilist warlocks from waking the Society's greatest nemesis, a primeval force that unchecked will scorch the planet bare of all life. Just sounds right up my alley. Uh, beautiful, beautiful cover as well by Albuquerque. So looking forward to that. How about cool. yourselves, gents? No, over to you, Keith. I insist. Well, uh, I'm also looking forward to X-Men Fantastic Four number two. Um, looking forward to Matthew Rosenberg's Forceworks 2020 number one. It's out on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a, a legacy team. It's uh, going to be featuring US Agent, amongst others. Um, part of the uh, Iron Man 2020 um, Print, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, sort of, I guess, uh, event or... Uh, event within a series anyway a slow burn event yeah 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 um ravencroft number two um is out uh that's uh frank thierry and uh last god number five is out um so looking forward to that as well There's a bunch of stuff um but i've got the rest of my pull list from last week to read before <laughs> that comes <laughs> well you've got a day and a half at this point <laughs> how about yourself Roddy? Yeah, um, it's looking like a really good week. I've got, um, I know we're all probably looking forward to Amazing Spider-Man number 40. Oh, yeah. Um, Looking forward to see if there's a bit more. Obviously, we're off the back of uh, the Jameson podcast. Podcast episode. I think the fun maybe will have stopped a wee bit and we're going to get a bit more. um, Oh, yes, it's the wrap up from the bet, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, chance trying to steal steal Spidey's web shooters. So I think... um, we're thinking we might get a few more, um, whatchamacallits, of the, uh, what do you call the hunter guy? The, the foreigner? Hunter. The foreigner, is yeah. he... Oh, no, 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 sorry, no. the sin eater. Sin eater, that's yes. the one. Yes, there might be a, a wee, uh, uh, wee two-page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, looking forward, also got Black Stars Above, which is sort of Lonnie Nadler continuing his um, sort of really, really crazy um cthulhu-esque canadian wilderness epic oh yeah it's, i read the first one of those yeah that was good yeah it's mad cr- but it's good crazily good um still not sure i understand what's going on <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but i know it's good it's very literary so i'm hoping it um it wraps up really well i think it's five issues five, from yeah. fault comics and last one is oh you got did you guys save it for me 
It's all yours, Roddy. It's all you yours. take it. Sweet. Uh, the aforementioned Matt Kent and Chris O'Halloran and Matt Smith. Um, they're Folklords, number four. Really looking forward to that. Cannot wait. That's that's up there for me. It's probably going to be top of my pile, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see uh, Matt Smith has been uh, dropping some preview uh, pencils on the on his uh, barbarian lord twitter yeah i've uh, also so been oh, really? dropping little hints of further adventures oh so really nothing concrete just yet but there's ideas there for further ones folklords when it was first uh solicited was a five issue mini mm-hmm. i do know number one's back to fourth print so right. it's selling well obviously part of this great run boomerang so uh, uh yeah they're dropping a few hints at those librarians will have more quests <laughs> Look at that for symmetry. It's almost like it was planned. We kicked off with Roddy talking about a Matkin title. We ended with Roddy talking about a Matkin title. Beautiful. That's planning, folks. I mean, That's planning. The circle of life. You never <laughs> wing it. You always <laughs> got to plan these things out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's going to bring an end to uh, this week's Reviews a Podcast. A big thanks to everyone, as always, uh, who tunes in. Um, looking forward to this new comic book day, and we will see you in store. Till next time. Don't forget to find us on Spotify. And keep on winging it. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Coffee and Heroes, a comic book and coffee shop in Smithfield Market, Belfast. You can find us on all the usual social media outlets, at Coffee Heroes 1 on Twitter, at Coffee and Heroes on Instagram, and just search Coffee and Heroes on Facebook. This podcast is also produced in association with Fracture Press, an independent comic label also based in Belfast. You can find Fracture Press on all major social media platforms. If you do like what we do, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and most importantly, spread the word.